get into it tonight, party people. Welcome back to Calling All Beings. I'm your host, DJ, along with my brother who just done returned from his Southwest vacation. We haven't even heard what kind of craziness he got into up there. But I'll tell you what, we have some special folks here tonight that I said I just got to talk to once I saw what they was getting up to. So uh, without any further ado, let, let me... Uh, uh, let let this man speak because it's been a while. We did one or two shows while he was on vacation. Monday, Nathan, back in the building. Good to be back, guys. Uh, I did get a chance to catch those shows, so great job while I was out. Had no doubt you guys would crush it, so well done. Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, 2,000 miles of driving, American Southwest road show with the kids. It was a great time. It was hot, very hot, but it was really fun. Uh, it's never, uh, cab is never as much fun or as cool as when you're not there. Uh, but we did our best to just kind of stay active. You know, uh, one of our guests would say, you know, stay in the gym, keep shooting those threes, make sure, you know, you don't lose your stroke. Uh, <laughs> with that, uh, the, our next uh, co-host and OG, I mean, this girl get into it, whether or not you want a spirit kicked out of the bathroom, whether you want uh, your Bigfoot baby babysat so that that way, you know, Bigfoot daddy and mama can go out and have a good night. Or uh, if you just want to, like, you know, get abducted by a UFO, Deb's down for all of it. How you doing, homegirl? Well, my child's been on the floor a lot today. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's been kind of an exciting day in UFO world. So, last couple of days, actually, last, you know, few months, maybe last few years, it's been kind of an adventure. Yeah, I was talking to Christopher Sharp today, Deb, and I was so, I thought there was nothing happening Nothing was going to happen, and man, was I so wrong about that, given where we are now. Uh, with that, let's transition over to our, our resident Bigfoot expert, uh, two-decade researcher, and just dope all-around analyst of anything that has to do with the unexplained. What's up, Matt? Oh, you meant me. Yeah. <laughs> it, it should have been obvious. <laughs> What's happening? Nothing, man. It's good to be good to be back on air with you, with you two guys. Uh, I wish the other two was in the building, but uh, you know, before long, we'll we will wrangle them, so to speak. Now that Nathan's come from the Southwest, uh, but Nathan, um, so I saw these guys, um, all the stuff they were putting out. They look cool. They sound cool. They have the Skinwalker Ranch thing on lock. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh man, I know it. And so I said, man, wouldn't it be cool if we did a roundtable, a fireside with these guys so that everybody could bring a topic and we could just get all up into it, hit any of the three topics. There's no wrong topic to have. Uh, and so they, they accepted. And that was so dope. So that's totally not what I thought we were doing. I thought we were just sort of having an on air fight with this other podcast show. It's not, it's not <laughs> the Jets happening. and the Sharks. <laughs> It's not really? about like that. If we're in the bar right now, we'd be fighting right alongside him, man. Change my material. Bring, bring it on, baby. I'm going to take a bar stool. You go near my friends from All Thing Unexplained. So uh, without further ado, what we're talking about here is the brothers and sisters from other mothers and other misters. So put your hands together for Mississippi's own Dr. Mouse. CJ and Smitty! Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be here. Can yeah. I get it? Hey, man! Amen. 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 
As Smitty and I grew up on old school Memphis wrestling, I'm talking Jerry Lawler, yep. I'm talking Rick Flair, I'm talking Jimmy Superfly Snooker. So we ready for you know off the turnbuckle loser leave town match if we have to. <laughs> I'm with you. I know all of those uh, wrestlers that you're talking about. That was my era as well. Although you look younger than me, which is slightly upsetting, but you know not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just has a really good diet. I promise. He's much older than he looks. <laughs> it's all the cucumbers well, and apples. Well, well, cucumbers going well, out my ears here. Cream up close. It's it's not as not as impressive. We've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cabbies would would basically say the same. As good as I may look tonight, I look much worse in person. Uh, true. But that's okay. You know, I, I work with what I've got. Um, anyway, I want to say hi to Julie in the chat. Julie, what's up, homegirl? Thank you for doing this for us, for uh, manning the chat and doing the wrench duties. I forget what you call that. Uh, Mick, Mick, I don't know what you're doing up at this hour over in the UK, but thanks for being here, brother. I'm going to tell you guys, Mick has sent me um, some video and some audio of him with the spirit box. And there is some very audible answers that he gets from the spirit box. And the video he sent me showed an entity sitting next to him on the sofa uh, it's really, it's wild really stuff. wild. So, right. Yeah, it is. He getting into some business, but you know what? I'm being that I, I jaw jacked with, um, with, uh, Tim, I want to turn the first question over to my brother, the co-conspirator of this joint in fun, entertaining and interesting, uh, talk of the unexplained, uh, money, Nathan, take it away. Thank you, sir. Uh, all right. So do we want to jump into round table? We want to jump into a little bit of, uh, I, I want to find out about these guys. A little I bit. do too. I, I, I do heard too. about some sand volleyball and CJ and oh my goodness. I see what's going down here. Some top gun stuff right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's just like that. Yeah. yeah. That's what, that's yeah. what I, everyone who plays sand beach volleyball, that's, that's the only image I have of it. All the guys wear there. jeans. And yes. Yeah. Slow motion. Slow mo. <laughs> glistening. Music. Girls are in slow mo bikinis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Epic. Epic. Uh, well, yeah, let's jump into this. So, um, what I've been thinking about different things to talk about. And I wanted to get your, because I know you guys come from a unique perspective. You tackle a lot of interesting topics, you know, just like we do a lot of paranormal stuff, UFO stuff. How do you sort of stay grounded in your own lives? Like when you're when you have this interest, you know, it's like do you, do you feel like you have kind of two sides of yourself, the the public side that is out in the world and the podcaster side. How do you navigate these spaces? I'm going to go first. <laughs> so I, I got um, pulled, wrangled into this. I was not a believer in any way, shape, or form. UFOs, Bigfoot, whatever it is. Didn't think about it. Didn't grow up talking about it, learning about it, anything. And Tim begged me to kind of jump into this endeavor with him. And I came in as a skeptic. And the first person we interviewed, I was sold. I mean, I truly believed the experience that this individual had. There were some people that have come on our show that I begged Tim not to have on our show. I thought we were going to lose all credibility because their story sounded just so wacky. Mm -hmm. And then they came on and I fully believed them. So for me, I'm a mom. I've got young kids. 
My hardest thing is being this podcast host of a paranormal show about UFOs and aliens and then having like kids over for play dates. Like I'm the UFO mom. Mm -hmm. How do I get my (laughs) friends to trust me with their kids? And so every once in a while, someone will be like, oh, I hear you do a podcast. I have to feel out the room a little bit like, yeah, I do. It's um, about UFOs and alien abductions. What's that? What's that? (laughs) Yeah. So it is tricky for me. And some of the people we've had on like Travis Walton and there's been these crazy stories. I can't sleep at night afterwards. I really feel like something is surrounding me. Like I've opened the universe up and all of a sudden Interesting. I have all of these spirits and things following me. So it's been hard to walk the line for sure. What Love is that, that behind you, CJ? No. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play with me, city. Telescope. Don't play. <laughs> All right, uh, Nathan, you want to get Debs in there? Uh, or I'd like to hear from the other guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, please. I'm good, same. good one. Thank you. Sorry about that. Well, I tell you what, CJ hit the nail on the head on some of that stuff there as far as staying grounded. And we were talking about this the other day, and y'all, we, we've got a lot of kids between the three of us, and CJ and I have kids very similar age, and things get real weird at a play date when UFOs <laughs> come up. Like, and so, so that kind of helps keep you grounded there. Uh, and then I know for me, like I, I consider myself, you know, always kind of had a foot in multiple worlds. One, Smitty and I both grew up in rural Mississippi in religious households, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yet we're also, you know, educated and we consider ourselves academics. And so, you know, it is hard uh, having a foot in both worlds. But, but what we have discovered, and I've never really realized this until we started this podcast is that there truly seems to be some sort of thread that connects all of this. And I mean the spiritual, the paranormal, the quantum, the the macro, the micro, the universe, the, the supernatural, Bigfoot, UFOs. We've seen it on our podcast. It's not something we have created. It's not something that people who have something in common or know each other bring to us. These are separate people separated by by decades and and separated by location and stories, but yet something weaves all their stories together. And I'm not quite sure what that that is, but we're kind of on a search for it. And and that helps keep me grounded. Also, I grew up Coast to Coast AM fan, Hmm. and I was always a big fan of how they, they went about especially Art Bell, how he went about his interviews with folks, right? And it didn't matter the story. He treated them, you know, just matter-of-factly, like, hey, let's hear what you got to say, and with genuine interest and respect, and that's how we treat all our guests and all the stories we hear, and I think that that also helps keeps you grounded. I love it. We're coming back to that topic later. I can guarantee it. So great to uh, to hear that feedback. The internet, right, Nathan? Oh man, <laughs> the thread. I love it. Yep. I'm kind of like Mounce. I just, uh, you know, I kind of include some of the stuff. It depends in p- certain parts of my life, and I exclude it from certain parts of my life. But my kids at school think it's really cool that I'm a podcaster. Of course, some of them think I'm a little crazy because of that UFOs and Bigfoot, but. Uh, we have some subscribers there at our high school that that listen to us on a regular basis, and you know it's like he said, I, unsolved mysteries was one of the big things that I remember watching 
uh, when I was young. I would love the parts where they would have the UFO abductions and and the other paranormal things. That was my favorite part of Unsolved Mysteries. Some of the rest of it kind of gave me nightmares, but those did. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, his voice could give you a nightmare, I think. So. <laughs> Robert Stack. Yep. Hell Robert yeah, Stack. just the music. And man, there's no chance Great of show. going right to sleep. <laughs> and then the X-Files, man. The X-Files was really what drove a lot of, of things, especially for my generation, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, CJ started out as our Scully, and now she's become our molder. So <laughs> I often fail in my job, so this is not surprising. You know, I want to say uh, uh, just thank the two of you just right off the bat for being educators. Those are heroes to me. Um, and, in fact, I'm, I'm heading home uh, to New York in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to have dinner with uh, – coaches uh, coaches slash teachers from my high school and i graduated in 85 so you guys have a, a big impact on kids whether it's writing books or, or or being in the classroom as both you guys have done so thank you well thank thank you um, absolutely oh, so, and cj has been a teacher too cj what's up homegirl amazing oh, yeah yeah so it, I, I, me. so um <laughs> it, <laughs> okay so you're not in teaching now well, okay. I'm raising three young children, so I feel like I'm teaching that, every second of every day that's now. Very true. Yeah. yeah, huge job. Deb and Nathan both can relate to, and Matt as well has has. Uh, how many children you have in the house, Matt? Is it just one or more? Uh, we're down to one at this point, unless you count the dog. <laughs> I mean, the dog is probably the biggest child that we have. Uh, but yeah, Matt, it's so funny, man. This guy is so funny. He can make the mundane sound funny. Um, I really just, uh, not to cut off Deb, but I really just kind of think the audience would be cool to hear just kind of how you guys met because uh, Tim told me this story, Dr. Mounts, and um, and it's kind of cool because I love sports. I love basketball and volleyball, like what you guys were doing. So, so please tell that uh, real quick if you guys would. Sure. Well, you know, Smitty and I kind of grew up together. I hate to think how long it's been since we first met, right, Smitty? It's been, well, it's been at least 20 years, at least 20. I was my, yeah, maybe over 20. Oh, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah let's, right. let's not actually, let's Tell see me. the calculations. Matter of fact, before we get too deep in it, but <laughs> Smitty and I were both teaching at the same school together and he taught history. I taught math and some PE and I was coaching and he was coaching. Right. I but, would say teaching math was loose. Hey, I'm <laughs> You you come up with the junior high basketball game plan and seven you know get, you know uh, lesson plans for math I, something's got to go okay but uh, something's gonna be less than hundred percent but Smitty and I actually bonded over cryptids because we have some local cryptids there in Mississippi and I was aghast to find out that a cryptid that I had heard about from a dude so I get this y'all I didn't tell DJ this. I, I worked with a dude at a shirt factory named Buck Rogers. All right. I kid, kid you not, Buck Rogers. Dude drove around in a car, had Christmas lights hooked up to the outside that, you know, bu- that lit up to the base of his radio, that kind of guy. Play, uh, played <laughs> softball with us. Dude batted cross handed, like, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Cross handed. Yes. And played in jorts and, and could stroke the ball. I'm like, how do you do that in jorts and cross handed? But Bob, barefoot too. 
Yeah, barefoot. Barefoot. It's like, like man's Bo adult Jackson softball. All of a sudden. Man's adult <laughs> softball, barefoot. But they was telling me at the shirt factory one time um, about him and his grandpa. You know, they were out going catfishing. And and with this was at work, by the way. And possum head man jumps out, knocks him off the path, right? And almost kills his grandpa. And he just keeps going back to work. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on now. You can't yeah. just go. You can't just go back to packing shirts up. Who what, possum? What possum? A man jumped out, and and Buck Rogers was dead serious about this. And and years later, uh, sure enough, Smitty and I both you know realized we both know about possum. A man, not not just us, but a lot of other people in the community, right? And so we kind of bonded over cryptids. And then I that was in Mississippi. I moved to North Carolina in 2010, and CJ and I. Met at sand volleyball for whatever reason. My neighborhood has a sand volleyball league that's been going on about 20 years. And CJ, of course, grew up in California. Her dad was a volleyball coach, right? Yeah, yeah, my dad and player, player, very good volleyball player. He's very tall, and um, I heard a lot growing up like your dad's so good at volleyball. Why aren't you? But I thought I was pretty good, but not compared to him, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I roll up from um, from Southern California to this my first day to play volleyball, and here comes Tim with his very thick Mississippi accent. He's lost it, or I can understand it a lot better. But at the time, I mean, I was just aghast that somebody from Mississippi could be as good at volleyball as he is. Tim is quite a good volleyball player, but I couldn't understand him. I mean, every time the man would talk, I was like, one more time. Can you put that on repeat? I just have no well, idea what you said. And then, of course, you'd talk about things like possum head man and chocolate biscuits and gravy and think that I'm like lost. So we instantly, I think he probably didn't know too many people from Southern California. I knew no one from Mississippi. We sort of dug into one another to learn more. And here we are. It's like it's like this GIF I saw the other day. It said, um, yeah, it, it, GIF, it, it said, I, when I get nervous, I speak more Southern. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I, that's so true. I re- I do that myself. I don't even know I'm doing it. But uh, Smitty and CJ and I had always talked about, well, we, we started uh, talking about doing a podcast together. And there never was a right time. But then COVID hit. And then boom, Zoom, you know, Microsoft Teams, like out of nowhere, all these video conferencing technologies just exist, like. Did Zoom exist before 2020? I don't think so, but boom, there it was. My kindergartner's on it. You know, we're sitting around the house. My my son ain't learning anything except how to fish better. And <laughs> we're like, it's like now or never, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna make this podcast thing happen. And and credit to Smitty. Uh, and and I want to backtrack real quick. CJ talked about volleyball, and somehow I grew up in what I call the redneck volleyball capital of the world. Thanks to Mississippi. <laughs> Don't know why, but the gym that that doubled y'all on the weekends as a wrestling arena, you know, and and during the week as a volleyball, you know, league place, like the smoke would be thick in the air. I'm talking about old school. Like these dudes <laughs> just love volleyball. I don't know why, but they did. We just played volleyball, man, all the time. But uh, credit to Smitty, he reached out and found, got our first, you know, person to come on the podcast with us, and um, he was involved in one of the most famous UFO cases of all time in rural Mississippi where over a dozen law enforcement officers. There was actually two dozen. Two, over two dozen law enforcement mm-hmm. officers, and he was one of them. And he was only comfortable going by Mr. Billy on with us. And he's getting kind of older now, but 
CJ and Smee can tell you this guy brought it. Like he was so honest, so sincere. And you could tell we realized, man, what have we gotten ourselves into? This this goes beyond just talking about it. And I mean, when you start hearing the traumatic real life experiences of folks, it hits you in a different way. I, I was going to say there are a few topics that, that are more interesting to podcast about than this one because you, you kind of really never, especially if you're three-pronged as your show is and, and ours now is, is you're never going to really run out of topics. So, um, and, and Matt, you know, Matt and I have discussed this because he's interviewed so many Bigfoot witnesses over the span of two decades. He also has, you know, physically seen them himself on more than one occasion in Oklahoma uh, on outings. And by the way, I am I'm moving to Georgia. I don't want to say what company I'm going to work from, but I'm going to be close enough that uh, we can actually go on a Bigfoot outing. You guys that are in North Carolina, we can go do an outing since uh, I'm going to be relatively close. Yes. Hey, you know what, DJ? There's a great Bigfoot museum in North Georgia. Yes, sir. I have dro- I've driven past it, and because my wife and pets were in the car, I didn't stop and go there. Uh, <laughs> I regret that. Uh, but now I'm going to have a chance to go uh, cause I'm going to live there and I'm going to have a chance to, um, it's a, just a great Bigfoot state. So, um, we'll be able to, to, uh, set something up. Um, all right. So let's give uh, Deb and Matt a quick question. Then we're going to jump into the fireside chat. Yeah. So I heard someone mention a spirit box and I'm, I also think all of the paranormal is connected. So I was just wondering if anyone has ever tried to use a spirit box to reach NHI, also known as non-human intelligence. And I don't mean Bigfoot. I do mean aliens, guys. Let's just say it. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody here done that? Oh, uh, Matt? Matt? Do you really oh, think <laughs> that I would ever <laughs> try to do that? I, no. I think you... you no. Well, No shot. <laughs> no shot. Matt grew up in a haunted house, too, so just, you know, be aware of that. He had to deal with a lot. <laughs> Here's on. my spirit box. This is how mine works. Hey, y'all there? <laughs> <laughs> D- DJ, could you tell us more about a spirit box? Is it is it sort of like the um, old school, you know, uh, Ouija board? I think Deb is going to actually be better to explain it. I've seen it on a couple of documentaries, seen them use it, but I'm not sure about the technology or frequency they're using. Deb or Nathan, could you uh, school us up on that? It rapidly goes through all of the radio channels. Um, I think, you know, there's some debate. I think some people say AM, FM, doesn't matter. The point is it just um, essentially sentences are formed by words being picked up from those channels. And, and I mean, it's rapidly going through. So for a sentence to come out is somewhat amazing, if it makes sense. Um, I can say that I've tried to use them without much success before. Um, but some people think they're amazing and, you know, things can happen with them. So it's a tool. Well, and, I, and I'm sorry, Mick go ahead. Ha- uh, no, I was going to say Mick has that audio. And if he, if he uh, authorizes me to share it. I'll, I'll share it with you guys and you can just listen to it and, and listen to him having, you know, pretty decent conversations with a couple of different spirits on that. So, um, so more to come on that. <laughs> um, but it, did you, uh, did you have something, Matt? 
I'm just kind of curious uh, how y'all decided to go with this particular category for a podcast where you decided that you did want to start a podcast. That's a good question. Well, Tim is the one who got us started. Tim's actually the author of several children's Bigfoot books. So they're Bigfoot themed children's books. And during COVID, he was supposed to go to like a Comic-Con type of event. And it got canceled, of course, because everything got canceled. And it went online instead. And he was given a two-hour time slot to fill. And he thought, how in the world am I going to fill two hours talking about my children's books. So he asked Smitty and I to come on and be kind of Bigfoot panelists, ask questions about Bigfoot, which of course at the time I knew nothing about. So I came with all kinds of questions like, is it just one Bigfoot or are there multiple Bigfoot things that of course I've learned a lot about since, but we had so much darn fun. We filled two hours, no problem. And we thought, okay, let's do it. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go forward from here and do all things that explained. So Bigfoot, UFOs, aliens, electric voice phenomenon. Yeah. My Favorite, oh. Yeah, my favorite question at night came, we didn't tell anybody this, but it came from CJ's parents <laughs> who wanted to know, can Bigfoot get COVID? And if so, is it decimating their population? So that was my favorite question of that particular night. And I'm glad you mentioned electronic voice phenomenon because, uh, Dale, back to your question about the spirit box. As far as I know, CJ or Smitty or myself have not communicated with aliens via spirit box, but we had a guest on our show who shocked us with what we considered a revelation. I think most people, when they hear about electronic voice phenomenon, they think of, of ghosts, spirits, ghosts, souls, what have you. Well, shout out to electronic voice pioneer, Gary Arnold. We had him on the show and he, and we just asked him, you know, well, who are these folks you're hearing on the EVP recordings. And he said, they're aliens. They're extraterrestrials. And that just caught us totally by surprise. And, and for the, the, for uh, CJ's mom, I actually wouldn't be surprised if we, if they had very close physical contact with a Bigfoot and a human that had COVID, I would not be surprised, which is why you guys saw that when they, sent those uh, lunar landers basically over to Mars. I mean, the amount of cleanliness that they kept, I mean, that they were fully masked, gloved, uh, just head-to-toe in suits working on that because they said we could introduce a biological uh, malady to that planet that doesn't exist. And if Bigfoot has not, you know, obviously they don't spend a lot of time in physical contact with humans Albert Osman, not, <laughs> notwithstanding, and you guys can, if you guys haven't heard that story, that that's a good one. Um, then, um, yeah, obviously you wouldn't want to to be in that. Uh, Matt, do, would you like to take that question from Duncan that's in the chat real quick? Um, you're best equipped to answer this. So, oh geez, look at that. <laughs> Is this a paid question? What's going on here, man? We just talked about this. Duncan, thank you for the check. But no, go ahead, go ahead, please. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> we don't know nothing. I mean, somebody, uh, just recently posed the question, you know, what do you think Bigfoot is, which that question gets asked all the time. And if we break it down in the simplest terms, uh, based on eyewitness descriptions, uh, leaving speculation and theory and all that stuff out of it and just going with the traits that mostly everybody says are there. Uh, I mean, we see that they're covered in hair, so they're mammals. 
they fit the description of a primate based on our categorization of things on this planet. So in that sense, we kind of know that they're a primate if we're right about them being from here. But then recently somebody kind of posed the question about, well, what if they're aliens? Uh, you know, there's been a lot of theories about uh, aliens doing, you know, hybridization with humans and, you know, uh, the whole cattle mutilations thing, uh, some kind of experiments going on. Is it possible that maybe at some point in time, aliens created this hybrid creature that we come to know as Bigfoot later on? It's an interesting theory, and there's a lot of uh, reports out there that do sort of uh, tie Bigfoot sightings in with UFO sightings, strange light sightings, especially orbs. Orbs are seen all the time in uh, the Bigfoot community. So it's an interesting theory uh, that I've just kind of started to look at. It's not really something I'd ever thought about before, but... Yeah, I would say why not? Because there's certainly how there's nothing else on this planet like humans. There's really nothing else on this planet like Bigfoot either. So it's an interesting concept to think about. Thank you for that. That's a great answer for a topic that, you know, we know that there's a biological component to that. That's been, you know, verified over, you know, people say that sightings aren't data. I'm sure you guys would agree that enough sightings from enough credible people it, it forms you know it is data at that point um so they know that but we don't know what's beyond that we just don't we just don't know uh we we've talked i think uh, tim and i talked about the ghost hypothesis uh but we can get into that later i don't want to take up too much time we got to start uh the um we got to start the fireside and nathan do we have a fire going behind smitty i hope so there it is thank you <laughs> he can make nice. it happen baby so why don't we, since uh, we haven't heard as much from Smitty, why don't we start with him and then we'll go clockwise, um, you know, around, around the table. Okay. I just wanted to, in the last few years, we see where the movies Conjuring have been really big. What is your opinion on Ed and Lorraine Warren? Are they the real deal? I mean, this is the only guy supposedly a, a demonologist that's recognized by the Catholic Church. Are they real, fake, or what's your opinion? So, th so the way this will work, because of the way we're set up at this moment, okay. is it'll go to Tim first, and then Matt, Nathan, myself, Deb, and and CJ. So, take it away, um, Tim. So Lorraine, I think, is the more interesting of the two. Nathan, if in you my switch opinion. up, Matt's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! What do I do? No, you didn't do anything. Go ahead. <laughs> it's Don't still move. my turn. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I got you. Yeah. Well, I think Lorraine is the more interesting of the two to me. You know, she's inspired a lot of characters in a lot of movies, including one of my favorite movies, Poltergeist. And they say that Lorraine actually inspired, if you remember, there were two female paranormal investigators in that movie. One was the more serious, like, academic research paranormal investigator and once she and that represented one side of Lorraine right the 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 side that took everybody serious and did legitimate scientific research on the paranormal activity but in the movie Poltergeist once she realized oh snap 
there's a giant headed demon in the closet that just kidnapped, you know, Betty Ann or Betty Lou. What was her name? One of those. And or Sue Ann. Sue, anyway, Carol Ann. Carol Ann. Carol Ann. She's like, I got to get some other help too. And then she brought in the short, you know, exorcist lady. You know, I can't do her voice, but this house is clean. That lady. And she represented the other part of Lorraine's personality. But I got to tell you, and I'm going to reveal something here tonight about a connection to Lorraine. And, and she at one time got into some missing person cases, right? And some were positive, some were not so positive. But I started doing a little research on a very famous missing person case from May 25th, 1999. Carl Landers, and y'all may be familiar with this story. I believe it's part of the missing 411 uh, caseload. Carl Landers, 1999, hiking on Mount Shasta with two other friends. And if you're familiar with Mount Shasta, there's basically no crevices, you know, nowhere to fall off really nowhere to go. And Carl Landers was on the way up and he never came back down and they never found a body and they launched a massive search for Carl Landers. Well, I, so I actually filed a FOIA request for the information they had in that case, because it's, it's fascinating me right there. A story just cannot end like that. A man just cannot disappear off the face of the earth and, and there'd be no explanation. So as I was digging through this foyer, crest, I was reading the local police notes and they said that they had found a flyer for a psychic, a paranormal psychic investigator in their hotel room, right? And that the friends had actually requested the police at some point bring in whoever was on that flyer. And I got to thinking this was 1999, and the only person I could think of that was really famous enough to be brought in on a case like that was Lorraine. Now, I can't prove it, and I don't know for sure if she was brought in on the Carl Landers case, but I just thought, you know, we talked about something that binds all this stuff together. Another thing we discovered with our show is synchronicity. And somehow everything just seems to have synchronicity out of nowhere. We're not even expecting it. We don't think it's even going to be there, but it is. So that's my interesting take on Lorraine. I think she's quite an interesting character, and I'm shocked to see where she comes up at. Uh, Matt? Yeah, that's a tough question. Uh, honestly... I think the Warrens did an incredible amount for the paranormal, uh, getting it kind of in the spotlight a bit, pulling it out of the shadows, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> I think there was probably, like anything in related to any of these topics, there was probably a little bit of folklore surrounding them. I think there was probably some stuff that was based in facts and truth. And then I think a lot were just rumors and stories that kind of built them up bigger than what they actually were. I know that there's, uh, whenever it comes to that particular couple, you know, the, the opinions are extremely polarizing. 
you have people that are just devout believers and followers in them. And then you have people that think they were complete frauds. Uh, I've seen evidence over the years to support both sides of the argument. And I guess we'll never really know what the truth is. Uh, I did find one story pretty interesting about Lorraine. Uh, she was, I believe, at some sort of paranormal convention or something. And somebody asked her about Bigfoot. And she said that she didn't know anything about Bigfoot. She's never had any run-ins with Bigfoot or anything like that. And then the next day, she came back and said that that night, she had psychically communicated with a Bigfoot from her motel room and had this whole story about that conversation that took place telepathically with the Bigfoot. Uh, take that for what you will. But I will say this. Uh, I don't think no damn raggedy and all is haunted or going to kill anybody. That's just my opinion. But I wouldn't mess with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one money nathan <laughs> i love it uh all right so i have to confess I, I mean i know a little bit about this but i i generally stay away from a lot of the haunting kinds of stories because i i don't i don't like them personally like they just kind of bother me um not that i don't think that they are real they just it's like i don't like watching scary movies you know that kind of stuff um but I do know, and I don't know, some of you may know this, but uh, Dr. Dana, Diana Pasolka was a consultant on The Conjuring. Um, so that's sort of an intersection between the UFO community a little bit there and the, uh, and the poltergeist paranormal community. And I think she was consulting on aspects of um, like Catholicism and uh, you know exorcism, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and clearly the Catholic Church, at least these big parts of the Catholic Church, take this very, very seriously and have for a long, long time. Um, so, you know, I do think there's something to it. I also think kind of on the topic there of, you know, what you brought up, Matt, about Lorraine and, you know, being uh, genuine or, or, or fraudulent or, you know, the debate there, I think, uh, when you're, when you're into this kind of world and you're into it long enough, it's hard to be perfectly impartial, right? So, uh, there probably is a little bit of gray area there where real things happen. And then also there's embe embellishment or that desire or wish fulfillment for things to happen, where you kind of spin that yarn and it gets, uh, you know, the tail just grows larger and larger over time. Um, I actually heard um, several interviews of, of uh, people who inhabited homes. They're older now uh, that, that Ed and Lorraine worked in. Uh, the current um, sort of, you know, exorcist in chief in America for the Catholic Church is a guy named Carlos Martins. Father Martins uh, is is the guy when it when the the the, the crap really hits the fan. Uh, he's the guy that they call. Um, and one of the homes that was also in Connecticut, as is obviously the Conjuring House, um, it, it, there was a police uh, police detectives were thrown against the wall. So there was some 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 violent behavior with that poltergeist and the the the. Uh, uh, the owner of the home, she said uh, she was there with her children, said that uh, Ed and Lorraine were, were able to handle that. And that wasn't the only interview like that that I've heard. I've heard more sort of negative things about their son, who just did something with Netflix last year called 28 Days Haunted, I think, where they sent teams of two, uh, excuse me, uh, they, they were teams of two to four, I believe, 
into homes in different areas of the country. One of them was North Carolina. It was a country store, I believe. And the idea was that in 28 days, they should be able to get an evil spirit to leave that place. Um, so I don't know about the sun, but I, th- in my mind, there's some significant evidence, not the, the least of which is uh, the Amityville Horror House, which uh, I've actually seen that one up close. Um, I'm trying to remember George. George Lutz uh, was the, the father there and uh, a lot of people did not want to go in that house after entering once uh, after Ronnie DeFeo uh, committed those murders there. So I I believe there is some truth to it and I think like Nathan said there may also be some embellishment beyond that but I've heard enough witnesses that say uh, Ed, Lorraine and Ed who are obviously devout Catholics, I think everybody knows that came in my house and they were able to help us uh, rid, uh, uh, rid, rid the home of the spirit or, or dull, uh, the, the, the anger. I'm, I don't remember. It's, it's been, um, probably about two years since I've seen any of those documentary documentaries, but there are several people that speak on their behalf, not the least of which were, uh, officials in the Catholic church. So I think there is some truth to it and there probably is a little embellishment as well. Debsy. I, I have to admit, I have not seen the conjuring, um, but I have seen Lore on Prime, and it, it really freaked me out. And there is an episode on there about dolls, and it gets into possibly a psychological element to people's response to dolls. So the the mention of Raggedy Ann, I was like, you might want to check that out. It's just a really interesting theory. Um, but I guess my my thought is... You know, if anyone is coming forward and just throwing the whole kitchen sink into their story, like the the whole kitchen, the whole house, you know, the whole city, and they they keep embellishing, then I immediately, like, I have my guard up. But I feel like the community itself is generally the best at policing that. Like, we can tell, you know, we've seen enough of what it really looks like when it's authentic. So that's my two cents on that. CJ. Well, I'm I'm with Nathan here. I hate all things scary. I don't watch scary movies. I mean, even some Disney movies are too <laughs> scary for me, to be honest. Like See, my, Dr. Kids say, my kids are This is one of my warm-up exercises. It's called things. a come at me, yo. What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come at yeah. me, Holmes. I know. So I haven't seen any of these things, nor have I really heard of these people, to be honest. I tried to do a little research today. But I will say that in doing our show – we did a whole series on ghost stories, right? We had people tell us their ghost stories, true people, our friends, people that we know. And I cannot believe how many people that I know have had these experiences, either with loved ones that have passed away or with the house that is haunted. Or I saw that Tim wrote in the chat, never build a neighborhood over a burial ground. My in-laws <laughs> former home in Rancho Bernardo was built over a burial ground of Native Americans and their house was haunted. And we've heard so many things. So I truly believe that there are these things happening out there so much so that I went back to California recently to visit family and my grandfather had recently passed away and I was staying in the home where he passed away and I, I could not sleep. I, you know, Not that I thought anything bad would happen. In fact, if his spirit came back to visit me, I'm sure it would have been pleasant and lovely, but I was just so shaken by all of these stories. So I am certain something was happening that they were involved in and um, yeah, possibly some embellishing going on, but fun to uh, hear the stories. That's for sure. 
No doubt, no doubt. It's uh, it, it, it they are very interesting topics, and that's why I think we're all doing these podcasts about it. Can't wait to do more paranormal. But uh, please, uh, Doctor Mounts, go ahead with your topic, sir. All right, my topic it kind of involves Lou Elizondo, and he's in the news a lot lately. He kind of got the ball rolling on what I would call this latest wave of UFO UAP disclosure, right? And uh, of course, former, formerly involved with ATIP, I believe, and he kind of, you know, released some UAP UFO videos, and we associate Lou with these military videos and that firm connection there, scientific kind of impeachable evidence for UFOs and UAPs, right? But I was listening to this one particular Lou Elizondo interview, and this is a great, I'm glad Smitty went before me because actually the Lorraine story and, and the conjuring believe it or not, y'all, segues perfectly into this Lou Elizondo clip. If we can cue that up, the Dr. Mount's topic clip. That we're, we're certainly uh, against this this effort. Uh, and, and only because, of, again, their, their philosophical belief system. I had nothing to do. In fact, I, I had one, I remember the conversation very well, um, this is a person I respected tremendously, very, very senior person. He's told me, he said, Lou, I want you to stop, stop doing this. I said, okay, sir, I, I certainly can, but may I ask why? And he says, well, we already know what it is. Now at that moment, I, I honestly thought maybe it was our own technology. And I was running up against some super uber secret sap and, uh, you know, they were telling me to stop. And I said, okay, sir. So, so it's ours. And he said, no. That's not what I'm saying. And he said, uh, he asked me point blank, have you read your Bible lately? And I wasn't quite sure where he was going with that. And I said, well, sir, I, 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 I think I know what it says. What, where are you going with this? And he said, well, then you would know that these things are, are demonic and we should not be pursuing them. Yeah. And uh, I, I, he, was, he wasn't kidding. He was, that's exactly how, how he felt. So this is a Pentagon. And, this is a DO, Department of Defense official uh saying stop looking at ufos because they're demonic correct oh there's the guy that called me and tried to get me to dish dirt on lou elizondo what a great guy <laughs> <laughs> i said yeah get lost after talking to nathan but yeah <laughs> and you know what that shocked me y'all so uh, aliens or ufos are demonic what's y'all's take Okay, so I, I wrote down the order to make sure I got this right. So you guys check me. We got uh, a couple, three, four educators here. So Smitty, Tim, Nathan, Debs, DJ, CJ. Does that sound right? Okay. Uh, it's, Matt have, goes after Tim. Yeah, I have Matt next. Yep. Ah, okay. So Matt after. Okay, then Matt. Thank you. Got Bigfoot sitting right there. I'll get get rolled up in my face. Okay. Uh, if you would, sir, please. Yeah. Uh, that's actually something that I was thinking about just earlier in this conversation. Um, it's also something that has worked its way into the Bigfoot world. Uh, it's always yeah. been present in the paranormal world, you know, uh, biblically, 
the Bible frowns upon ghosts and spirits and says, you know, hey, don't try to communicate with those things. They're demons trying to fool you. There's no such thing as a ghost. Uh, most recently in the Bigfoot world, you see a lot of people starting to go that direction. There's a very popular podcast out there that I won't mention that kind of plays off that whole thing. Excuse me. And uh, then the Dogman uh, stuff is really popular now. It's certainly gaining momentum. And there's a lot of people that, you know, bring up demonic talk with the Dogman. Uh, whenever it comes to that, trying to sort of blanket things, I, I've started going away from that. Uh, so could some of this alien stuff that people are classifying as aliens be demonic? in my own personal beliefs and opinion, yes. Does that mean all of them are? No, absolutely not. Also, I would say that somebody, whoever he was speaking about that is involved high up in the government, could also be a devout Christian, Catholic, whatever, and that's just their personal belief about these things and not necessarily the position of the United States government or exactly what they've found out so far about these entities and craft and whatnot, who have you, you know, the phenomenon, as I believe it's called. Uh, so I think it, it's not something that can be summed up with just a, a yes or a no. Uh, it's a maybe in some cases, maybe not in others. And, and, and I can tell you, it's definitely not the position of the U.S. government. I think it's that, that person. And there are several persons uh, I think Debs can tell us that group, but that that, that were grounded, uh, that looked at it through a religious lens. Um, but uh, and I can't wait. Since Nathan went to seminary, I can't wait to hear his answer on this. So go ahead, sir. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could probably talk an hour about this kind of stuff. Uh, we, you know, in the West, we live with the legacy of Christendom, right? Like it's just kind of in our DNA, even if we didn't go to church when we grew up. Although many of us on the show probably did. Uh, you know, it's in our literature. It's uh, it's in our movies. It, it permeates so many facets of our culture and, and ways that we're both cognizant of and, and, and unconscious toward. And I think for those that, you know, latch on to dark things or, or think about, you know, dark forces, uh, what you know, sort of approximation do they have in their memory bank or their or our cultural memory bank? that they can draw from to to kind of associate those dark forces or unknown forces for that matter unexplained things uh they're gonna they're gonna associate them with with demons um you know and we have a legacy of course too of just uh this from the medieval times and and, and onward just kind of blowing up demons uh you know from the bible in a way that really they aren't even present in the bible that much um, it's not that they're not there, but we've we've kind of uh, magnified their uh, you know presence in that in that story, and uh, and and why 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 not right? They make for great stories. They uh, you know we like to tell ghost stories around the campfire. We like to scare, like to be scared, uh, and to feel a little bit of fear and overcome that fear. These are things that that we enjoy, and so it, you know it makes sense that they be part of that. Um, now, all that said. Um, I think this speaks to uh, frameworks, right? So it, it's just frameworks where you fit this kind of uh, experience. You know, how does it fit into your worldview? 
And, uh, you know, for some, it's angels and demons, because uh, that may be the worldview that they really hold closely. For others, it's more of a scientific worldview. And, th and that's why the extraterrestrial hypothesis has so much merit, you know, that in the 20th century, we, we left the, the surface of the Earth and started sending satellites and humans out into space. And, and so then why wouldn't it be that other civilizations would do the same thing if they had more capability than we do? So there, that, thus we have ETs. Um, and so really, you know, it's almost like a Rorschach test in many ways, the, the UFO phenomena, when someone tells you what they think it is, it's telling you a lot about the worldview that they hold them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot more about them than whatever it is. And, and then look, that, that's the best we can do, right? We're all going to kind of throw, uh, our own frameworks at this and try to make sense of it. Um, but, but, you know, for me personally, I don't, I don't really put a lot of stock in the angels and demons, uh, you know, kind of dichotomy or, um, I, I think it's a lot more complex than that. And I want to say that, uh, is it, oh, do yeah, I go or is it Deb? It's like, okay. And, and so Dr. Pasolka actually says that, um, you know, obviously you guys know that, that she's a, a Catholic theologian, both a practicing Catholic and a, uh, Catholic academic. And she says that it's possible that the the descriptions of of angels could, you know, back then could very much be what people describe greys as. Um, and unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to offer anything more than what Nathan did, because I do think that it's very much a lens issue. It says about how we see the world and the formative experiences that we grew up with more so than uh, necessarily what it is or isn't. Um, I, I'm not sure who's even qualified to say that at this point. Uh, there are people, obviously, we believe that have had contact uh, with them, but it's it's uh, we we even ascribe human values uh, and thought processes to them that they may not hold at all. But that's our limitation of us, right? That's how we. That's the only way we can look at the world is through our own lens as human so we ascribe serve some of those things so we have to even try to like be like okay i think that they may react like this but they may not be thinking that way at all that that may not be how they they view of uh, the universe or or what their interactions with us or mean and, and the purposes behind them so so unfortunately but yeah i really can't add to what nathan said i i, I have to agree with that uh debs ma'am yeah, so there's a couple things that I was thinking when I heard that. One, um, the group that was um, considered to be this religious group trying to stop disclosure and everything is the Collins elite. Um, Thank you. Right, <laughs> yeah. and and there's like this mystery given to the government, like they're like we for some reason think they're superhuman or something, but they're just people, just like us. All of us could be working for the, you know, in the government at some point, you know. Like there's so many different jobs. They're pretty much like a civilian job, just better paid. Um, so <laughs> I think that you know people just give more credence when you hear it's someone in the government with a belief, but you know they're just people like us. You know they're just gonna have their own opinions their own views of the world and what's more validating to say a christian faith than to say this thing they don't understand has to be a demon right that's going to validate their belief in angels and gods and so on so that's my two cents on that and miss cj what is up homegirl 
Yeah. You know, you guys all put it really beautifully. I do think that it has to do with each individual and how they view it. I experience that every day just with my own friends and trying to walk around these conversations in terms of what are people open to hearing and not hearing because I have had such an awakening in my life in the past few years, mostly from the individuals that we have interviewed on this show. So I can really only speak to those experiences that have been shared with me. We've had several people on our show that have been abductees in one way or another, including the very famous Travis Walton. But there have been others who have shared their stories with us too. And in most of those incidences, they have not felt threatened. They have not felt scared. They have felt like they were being helped. They have felt like they somehow benefited from the experience. Um, So could that be demons just playing tricks? Sure. I mean, absolutely, of course. Or could it be a higher intelligence that we don't yet understand? Yes, I believe that's true too. There were a few stories that the person was terrified, that the person did feel like they were in some way violated. Um, Certainly our electric voice phenomenon guy, he said that they were, he did mention that they, some of them were demons, uh, that they were aliens, but some of them were demons, that some of them were really bad, really bad individuals. So I'm on the fence. I don't know one way or the other. I can't say if they're good, bad, or or otherwise. But I do believe that the universe also reacts to people differently based on each individual's ability to understand, accept, or believe what else is out there. In fact, when we interviewed the people from Skinwalker Ranch, Eric Bard, the lead investigator, said several times, the ranch reacts to different people Differently. differently based on who they are. And we had the people from Beyond Skinwalker Ranch on our show, and they said the same thing, that they went to several different locations and the phenomenon that they were experiencing was latching on to different people, cast, crew, otherwise differently, that they had a few hitchhikers, in fact, um, with camera crew and things like that. So I just think it believes, you know, it depends on who you are, what you believe is how you're going to see it. Uh, also, before we we turn to Smitty, I just want to say in support of you, CJ, is that don't don't uh, feel encumbered by uh, your your mom colleagues and playdate moms and stuff. Because if you were to go back the length of time of like a car note, like forty eight months, and said that we'd be having hearings on you, and there'd be senators from southern states and a bipartisan efforts to talk about and bring bring forth uh, information on UAPs or David Grush people would have laughed you out of the room. And a lot of people now are not laughing at, about this. Um, so, you know, you're right. you're on the forefront. You're, you know, they're going to have to catch up, but you already know what's going on. So I just Well, to be fair, 48 months ago, I would have been one of those people laughing you out of right, the room. I right. mean, it was not in the forefront of my mind. Validation, baby. We've been validated. <laughs> yeah. And, and there are other, I mean, when I heard Bob Lazar's story and the different aspects of his story, I believed him. Uh, and I also trusted George Knapp did his diligence on it, but uh, we'll we'll get with that later. I gotta gotta get my man Smitty in there. Go ahead, my friend. Well, being a, a theologian, also myself, and you know you you're talking about, and Nathan may agree or disagree with me, but everything that's ever mentioned that I'm aware of in the Bible that has been an aerial phenomenon, flying chariot, whirlwind scroll any of those things had absolutely nothing to do with demonic forces 
they were they were god based not demonic based so my opinion i believe aliens are aliens if you know and that uh, they have really nothing to do with religion or spirituality if they do truly exist then they are a creature and a being like we are that's, that's what i believe because like I said there's no there's no correlation that's ever been mentioned and that i'm aware of in theology i'll tell you what is interesting though i don't know if you know this but in the journal of john winthrop uh from the massachusetts colony they actually mentioned one of the first sightings of a ufo and that was in the 1600s that's pretty neat but uh and, and columbus know. also candles going in the water you know he yeah. talked about yeah what do you so, think about that, Nathan? You think that- yeah, I think you're spot on. I mean, we we uh, what's what's the painter um, Dante's Inferno, right? Uh, right. You know that where where he kind of character caricaturized uh, the angels and demons and the, the entire sort of underworld, uh, embellished these characters from the Bible who who have you know kind of bit parts, but you know adding the the horns and the, you know, the forked tongue and the tail and the, you know, all these different, you know, images that are uh, animalistic, uh, reptilian in many cases, you know, dragons were also really popular and associated with demons. Uh, You know, this is, uh, I think, kind of spun out of uh, from the original context of these stories. And of course, just reminding folks who, who may not be as familiar, the Bible wasn't written at one time. Uh, it was written over many, many years and, and many different uh, cultures and, and communities of faith and, and belief, and they applied their own way of understanding to what they were writing. And so uh, to, to kind of look at all of that from a, a one-dimensional aspect and say, you know, there's there's a singular uh, kind of common thread here, I think is a little bit of a jump. Um, not to say that people don't believe that. A lot of people do. But uh, I think it's uh, it's stretching it a little bit beyond the parameters of really what is actually there. And again, just coming back to the framework, right? It's, it's when you look at this and, and you, you hear something that sounds like it's against humanity or, or more powerful than humanity, uh, you know, there are really only two forces, right? There, there's God, which is in, in the Western Christian Christendom. God is on the side of humanity, basically, uh, more or less. And then there's anti-God, which is the, this host of demons with Satan and Lucifer. And so, uh, you know, aliens sound a lot like the Satan Lucifer crowd, not the uh, singular, you know, monotheistic God image that most people have when they think about those things. And and, and your fellow, I, I'm sorry, I was going to mention North Carolinian Chris Bledsoe has gone through this crisis with it, but I'm sorry, go ahead, Nathan. No, I, I'm done. I think it was. Oh, uh, I, I was just oh. going to say, I, I, I was going to throw a final thought from myself out on this topic. And there's a Bible verse from the Old Testament that's quite haunting when you relate it to the modern UAP phenomenon. This is Zechariah 5, verse 1 through 4. I looked again, and there before me was a flying scroll, which, by the way, sounds a lot like a tic-tac shape to me. He asked me, what do you see? And I answered, I see a flying scroll 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. That's translated from cubits. 
And he said to me, this is the curse that is going out over the whole land. I will send it out. It will destroy it completely, both its timbers and its stones. And I, I just think, think about that. It's a little bit haunting to me. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I just want to say, I get the cabbies in this, but really enjoying this conversation with you guys, man. Oh, man. Awesome. This is just, this is just awesome, man. This is just everything I hoped it was going to be. And I'm already thinking about part two. So we haven't <laughs> got through part one yet. So hey, we're, uh, we're happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Um, right. I want to uh, hit a topic that uh, I, I wrestle with a lot. And I think you guys probably have as well. Uh, and it is related to UFOs. That's you know kind of more my wheelhouse. But we have a legacy of, geez, I guess at, at least seventy years, seventy plus years of of stories, uh, you know, about about this topic. And of course, there are stories that predate that. You mentioned one a minute ago. Uh, but with the U.S. government's involvement with the topic, we have a, a legacy of. Uh, I think many would argue obfuscation, uh, disinformation, uh, you know, shadowy behavior. And uh, we're entering into an age, and, and this morning the press conference with uh, uh, Representative Burchett is a good example of this, where we have uh, at least elements within the government who are trying to uh, pry the secrets out of, you know, out of these dark places. But I think many in the community wrestle with because we've, we've been gaslit for so long, you know, what is the actual truth here? What is the kernel of truth in all of the, this story? And I think most people in the modern world would argue that they, they understand governments uh, tell a story, right? Most adults understand that, that, that governments are telling them a story and it's not the complete picture. And, and as parents, we do this, right? We, we tell our kids, stories, we don't tell them every single detail that they need to know. We tell them what, what we think they need to know when at the age that they are at and where they are at in their own development, what we think is going to help them grow. Uh, of course, that doesn't always work, right? Sometimes they see through that story. <laughs> exactly. They call our BS. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I know that's a long preamble, but I'm just really struggling here with when we have representatives from these agencies we have uh, folks who are trying to get the, the information out. You know, how do you apply discernment uh, with this legacy of dis disinformation from the same kind of government? And, and obviously, we all recognize that the government is not a, a monolithic institution. It's made up of individuals. But how do you approach th this topic of disinformation? So clearly, I had the order wrong. So this goes to Matt. Am no, I correct? Matt, Matt is next? Okay. You're next. Okay, so I'm answering this first. Yes. No? Yeah. Okay. All right. So me and Matt. Are with okay. So um, people have asked me this question, and normally what I'll say, you know, Tim heard me go on. You know, I've given him some of what I believe is my expertise in the knowledge of the order of operations of government and how they think and how they're likely to react in a given situation. And this is one I've stayed away from because it presupposes that I know everything they know and have been advised by, for example, um, uh, you know, cabinet level and, and uh, you know, maybe top government level sociologists and psychologists and that are giving them information as to how they think the American public might react. They really don't care how they're going to react to it in, in um, you know, Mongolia 
uh, or or in you know Navarre or or France. Like they really don't care. They really just care in this case about how the Americans are going to react to it, and with a, a little tinge towards uh, Five Eyes uh, countries. So um, so I, I'm not sure what the appropriate amount is, but if if you're just asking me personally, I would say something like the nature of what we've found that they can characterize what we've discovered, what we to to a degree have, uh, where we think it, its derivation is, like what David said, a co-located physical dimension or a, a, a physical space dimension that is co-located with ours, something like that. I think they should speak to that. Uh, just they would have to leave out maybe what they've derived from the craft, but at the same time, I also think that um, that uh, they should be speaking toward think coming up with a plan to bring in truly the best and brightest that our country and our international partners, in terms of scientists and engineers, to look at this material and see if we can actualize something that, uh, as Dave Grush said, is going to solve real world problems: energy propulsion you know, zero, zero, zero mission sort of uh, air travel propulsion and, and, and energy creation. I think uh, just keeping it to uh, smaller groups of people obviously hasn't worked. And it also may not work if we bring in the best and brightest, but you have to do that first. You know, so th that's my take on it. Uh, Matt. Yeah, this one's kind of a tough one, uh, as they usually are. <laughs> Sorry, whenever it comes to this sort of thing uh we're dealing with the trickle of information that the government is giving us whatever they feel is worth our knowledge or okay for public consumption and i believe at this point all we can do in terms of discernment is just deal with that information and that information alone uh to go beyond that we're immediately jumping in the deep end of the speculation pool and trying to guess things uh you know the drone thing comes to mind so like i believe and i could be completely wrong but i believe the united states military uh was doing stuff with drones in like the 1950s now in the public sector you know in the past five years or so drones have kind of become a thing and that tends to be the case with everything the government releases uh, in terms of information for public consumption. We're way behind where they're at. So if this is the information that they're giving us right now, where are they actually at? And the people that know where they're actually at, who can even access that information? I mean, Senate hearings and all that, great. I'm all on board with that. But I mean, a president lasts four to eight years. They are briefed, maybe, maybe not, probably depending on who the president is, on this information. So somebody decides if the president gets to hear that information or not. I don't think the truth, the real information that they have is accessible by anybody unless they say so. It doesn't matter what Senate hearings you put together, what committees are formed what you know court orders are made it doesn't matter it's beyond that it's too top secret so i don't think we should even try 
to discern anything at this point and just wait and see like we've been doing and figure out where we go from there. And, and Nathan, I just want to add on before we go to um, Debs that um, I would love to see a day when even our global uh, global power competition rivals Russia and China, when even when we can cross flow and, and have their scientists looking at, at our tech and ours looking at theirs. And then, you know, maybe as a, as a world, we could figure this out together and see if we can, you know, uh, spend a longer period of time on the planet. Uh, than perhaps we're slated to now. But uh, that's like a pipe dream, perfect world kind of thing. But it would be nice that if even beyond Five Eyes, we, we would go. Uh, Debs, please. Uh, Nathan, so basically you want to know what, what she thinks we should know? Is that uh, or what what, what we should be told? Discernment. Yeah, it's, yeah discernment. it's about go the ahead. discernment. So, okay, so what I do is I think about the gains. Like, would there be a gain to do a global PSYOP? No. That's ridiculous. Would there be a financial gain for pushing this? No, they don't need to do that. They have money. They don't need to do that. Um, would there be a gain for keeping this a secret? Absolutely, because they can keep the advanced technology for themselves. Um, they can keep it out of the hands of um, foreign um, adversaries and so on and so forth. So I always think about gains. That's what helps me discern things. Like, what would they have to gain if they do this? And right now, it seems like Congress wants to gain control over this topic. And that's why they're doing what they're doing. So there, there's that gain issue right there. They also will probably get an uptick in votes if they are, you know, appearing to be trustworthy and transparent for the population. But it's, it's worth noting that even, you know, what what I have read with the proposed amendment doesn't make me feel like we're necessarily going to get the information ourselves. It's for Congress. So it's about their gain again. You know what I mean? So it, that's how I go through it. I just like think about what is what is someone gaining? So that's how I do my discernment. I like it. They're definitely out on a limb. That's for sure with what they're they're asking for. Even I spoke with Christopher Sharp editor of Liberation Times today, and he's almost like scared of, of what's going to come out <laughs> if he's ready for it, or he's questioning whether or not he's ready. But uh, with that, let's go with uh, Miss CJ. Yeah, so, you know, Representative Tim Burchett, Burchett, I'm not sure yep. how to pronounce it, but Burchett, he, he said, Bur hey. <laughs> Are you UFOs, y'all? He said, you know, more people believe in UFOs than believe in Congress right now. And, and I think that that's true. Nobody trusts what is being fed to us. Every time we have one of these UAP hearings, we get nada from them. I think that what we know is only the tip of the iceberg. Every time something comes out, it's big news for about a day, maybe two days. We talk about it on our show. I'm sure you talk about it on your shows. And then it disappears, right? We don't think about it anymore. They have a way of doing that. I get pulled in a couple of different directions because I have a lot of family and friends that work in aerospace for Boeing, Lockheed, Northrop, those sorts of entities that tell me all the time, CJ, you just have no idea what sort of technology we have out there. If you knew what was out there, you wouldn't sleep at night. So I have all of these people that are trying to tell me that what we're seeing, what's what's being seen, what's being interpreted as a UAP is actually our own technology. 
but I don't know that that's fully the case. I think that there's a lot happening that is not our own technology. I do believe that the government believes that as well and that they're keeping that information from us. Many of the people that we've interviewed on our show had experiences in the 60s, 70s, 80s, what have you. And even in those times, they thought that the government was slowly leaking information to us. And yet here we are still with the blindfold over our eyes, not really knowing what's going on. I'm not sure that we're going to find out. I've told a few of my friends that I feel like it's a slow leak from a tire, right? Like a slow leak from a tire or something that you can kind of continue patching and you you just keep putting that patch on and keep on driving versus like an explosion of a tire. And that's what the government is doing. They're slowly leaking information so that we'll be safe, so that we'll be prepared versus just, you know, full on fatal accident on the freeway. <laughs> so I, I think they know so much more than they're telling us and it's frustrating for me personally. And just just to add on to that, I mean, we're going on 19 years since the Tic Tac incident. And uh, David Grush said himself when Ross Coltarn asked him, not our technology, not not human tech. So there may be some, you know, when somebody says that you wouldn't believe what we'd have out there, there are some spectacular, uh, some spectacular aviation. I'm in aerospace myself, but I, I, I don't know what they're referring. What, what does that mean to me? You know, I'd, I'd have to. I'd have to ask him um, because I haven't seen a whole lot that goes beyond Bernoulli's theorem and uh, Newton's laws of motion in terms of how we propel craft. Um, so if they're saying they've got something that's that's beyond that, then we're really in a in a good place. Yeah, um, and I want to just before I get over Smitty, I wanted to jump in real quick on what CJ said because I uh, it resonated with me a lot. So I, this is the reason why I don't think it actually is ET. Um, because I think if it were ET, it would have been a lot simpler to explain a lot longer, like a long time ago. Um, I think the the real truth of it is a lot more complicated, and it, it could have it, it probably took a while for whoever was exposed to this to even understand what it was. Uh, and then as they gained understanding, we probably still don't understand all of what it is, to be honest with you. Um, but if you think about like where the worldview was at the time that we were having official encounters with this technology or capability or whatever we want to call the phenomena, uh, most people were operating in a really kind of basic understanding of the world and of the universe. I mean, our, our, even our understanding of, of, of science and math was pretty rudimentary. And so it would, be, it would have been irresponsible of them to just sort of like dump it on the laps of everyone uh, who, who had no frame of reference for dealing with this. And so if you think about where we are now, though, I'm not saying we're, we're really in a great place to deal with it, but we're in a better place to deal with it because reality is a lot weirder now. Uh, and, and none of us really like, we already don't have a consensus on, on truth. Like we understand that things are really confusing and gray and, and with AI technology that is coming online, like we, we understand that reality is very much like what you make it. And so I, I think about this a lot, this sort of con, uh, um, convergence, right, of, of where we are as a society and where whatever this happens to be, maybe we're at a place, a closer place where we have a little bit more of a parity and an ability to understand what it actually is and, and that's the timing of where we are. Quick question for you, Nathan. Do you think the general populace is more fearful of it being in a co-located physical dimensional space to ours than if it's extraterrestrial flying here from some other planet and and flying out or coming through a portal do you think there's a, a difference in terms of what you know what people would fear more yeah well i mean it, it would occupy your mental space a little bit more i think 
right? Okay. It's um, if, if there's, a, it's one thing to say, like, I mean, we all understand this, right? Um, I live in, you know, we all live in our houses, whatever, and there, we know that there are germs. We know that there are bugs. These are tiny little things that we co-locate with us every single day. And we don't think about them a whole lot. You know, sometimes we get sick and we know that's the germs. Sometimes we get, you know, bit, we know that's a bug. Um, we don't think about it a whole lot. It's a whole different story, though. When we're talking about another intelligence that could like come into your bedroom or something and, and literally do something to you again against your will. That's that obviously transcends the you know minor annoyances of, of getting a cold or being a, uh, being bitten by a mosquito or something. So I think that would occupy a lot, a lot of mental space. I mean, as a parent, it would bother me, obviously, a lot. Uh, sure. you know, but think about flying, right? Like if you're in an airplane and you're thinking just like, yeah, this is a standard airplane flight, but you're, people already have like a baseline level of anxiety about flying. Right. But you add on top of that, like, well, I, you're telling me these things are real. They could show up at any moment and like, you know, intersect with our plane or, I mean, I think <laughs> it just could create a lot of panic that maybe we're not well equipped to deal with. Um, so yeah, we're going to have to navigate those waters, right? If that's something that, that becomes more, uh, readily, agreed upon that they're that they're here and that they can do that and be and be present with us anywhere um and so i encourage people to call nathan if there is some sort of grand disclosure <laughs> or inescapable event that we've all seen on the news but please so, uh, smitty give I us i want to jump time. in real quick yes ma'am super quick and i think you're yes, so right nathan we had we had bob salas on our show mm. a few weeks ago and um you know he was famous nuclear nuclear weapons were shut down while he was um on duty but Midway through our conversation, he said, yeah, you know, it details my alien abduction. And I, you know, that was the first time I had heard that he had ever been abducted. So he told us that story. And then he told us that he thinks that they are actually abducting kids in the middle of the night and trying to like rebrand them, essentially. Mm. I, I didn't sleep for weeks. I mean, I truly lost so much sleep over that. So I think there is something to what you're saying about like, even if we think that we're ready, we're okay, we've accepted AI, whatever. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe yeah. we're not ready to think that things like that could happen. Totally. Yep. Terry Loveless is one you guys want to hear about uh, seeing uh, two Air Force guys seeing going aboard a craft and them seeing children over there. It's very, very unsettling that there were children aboard that craft. But l let me get Mr. Smitty in here, sir. Okay. Anyhow, I'm, I'm kind of along the lines of, of a lot of you. I think we're being spoon-fed exactly what they want for us to know for example you know truman didn't even know about the atomic bomb until he became president and i'm talking about this is as you know the highest level of our government and they don't even tell them about a bomb that we have that could in essence change the the whole war and did change the war uh two i have a friend who uh uncle was in the cia he says, I can't really tell you a whole lot about anything I did. He says, say, I can tell you this, the tech, some of the new technology we have now, we've had for years and years and years, but we would not release it to the public because you think if we release some things to the public, whatever it might be, let's just say uh, an engine that ran, you know, 100 miles a gallon, it would cause a collapse of a large part of our economy. So I don't know how much of this stuff we can, as, as a group of people in the United States, handle how much panic would ensue if we knew the whole story of everything that was going on, whether it is military technology or whether it's extraterrestrial. 
it would still cause, uh, I believe, a huge panic and, and possibly lead to mass chaos. But that's my thoughts on it. People stocking up on bleach and hand gel and all the toilet paper they have at Dollar Store. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. an aloe vera. Right. Yeah, an aloe vera. <laughs> Thank you. Next topic. Let me see. We have, I believe we have. Um, uh, Did Tim Matt? get a chance to respond on that? Oh, sure. Tim, did no, you not? Oh, my God, more. Tim. I, I had a little more to say than aloe vera. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My, my, I'll, I will rewrite my, my list of people because of mine's out of sorts. Go ahead, sir. But I did have a flashback running to the uh, grocery store in a mad panic to buy aloe vera <laughs> so that I could create my own hand sanitizer in 2020. And I just was lucky enough to get a tip. Like a lady literally gave me a tip like, yo, I hear down at the Aldi, they got, you know, like a couple of cases of aloe vera left. So I rushed down there and snagged like, I, I'm not going to say how many I got, but I still got, <laughs> I still got some Primo uh, homemade hand sanitizer if anybody needs some. But look, uh, I got to comment on something Nathan said. I just had this thought experiment pop in my head when Nathan was bringing up the microscopic organisms that surround us and i thought that's a brilliant analogy nathan i appreciate that but my thought experience was i, I can't help but wonder is it possible <clears throat> not not i'm definitely not talking about COVID here by the way is it possible that <laughs> nhis could have been created in a laboratory and unleashed on us at some point in in our present or perhaps in our ancient past i'm just saying that's just a thought experiment but anyway y'all i I think we're going to hear a lot of this on Wednesday, July 26th at the UFO hearing. So some of that I think, sir, will save for closed session. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's, exa that's exactly right. I'm not compelled by that that grouping, uh, Tim, because uh, we got one person who we've heard and we want to hear more from, and we have the other two we've heard ad nauseum on 75 different shows. Uh, but that's that's how yeah. this process goes, man. You're just going to be disappointed every time. I would like to have heard new people that we had not heard from yet. Well, and and you know, I'm the co-host of a paranormal podcast, but I have to admit, I'm ex I have extreme skepticism and caution about all the things that are happening. You know, he has the, for example, just like you said with the closed session, he, and he has the best southern accent of the group but also as i've heard the <laughs> lowest security clearance so yeah. to believe that they are going to reveal classified information to timber chet or others who literally don't have the clearance to hear said classified information you know that that's not going to happen but i have extreme skepticism extreme caution here in 1947 Something happened in Roswell, New Mexico. I believe we still don't know what real what really happened. Just shortly after Roswell, incidentally, we had the formation of the CIA and the Air Force. The yep. same Air Force, by the way, which we barely hear anything from on the UFO UAP topic. And there's a book I love called Day After Roswell by Corso. You know, this ain't our first go-round with high-level whistleblowers. Okay. We've been told a lot of this stuff before. All right, just read Day After Roswell. In 1963, the President of the United States was assassinated. 
some people say it had something to do with UFOs. Even, you know, even today, 60 years later, they've released more documents. There's still at least 5,000 documents, y'all, that they still won't release. That happened in 1963. And there was a very interesting name that popped up. I was telling Smitty about this. The guy, I can't rem remember his name, but, but you y'all can look this story up. He apparently was the guy that intercepted the mail of Oswald. But it, it seems that in the 50s, him and a, and a Georgia politician and a colonel from the Army had a UFO encounter in Russia, believe it or not. This is in the J newly released JFK files. But to believe that we still can't get the information for the assassination of JFK in 1963 and that Wednesday next week we're going to find out that extraterrestrials exist, I think is a huge stretch, a huge leap of faith, okay? I have extreme caution because we do not know the motivations of all the parties involved in this, and we can be assured there are many parties with many different motivations here. This, we know China has infiltrated the United States on many levels, and what I'm afraid of is that we're going to overlook some very important stories that really are happening around us, okay? Could China want to invade Taiwan next week? Sure, they could. Could that be the beginning of World War III? Absolutely. Might China have incredible motivation to find out what sort of advanced technology we do have? You better believe it. And by the way, what better way for China and Russia to find out what sort of advanced technology, be it UFO or not, that we've got, then for our own selves to find out and tell them. We need to be extremely cautious about that sort of thing, in my opinion. And the other thing that scares me, I am scared by the legislation, by Chuck Schumer and others, and here's why. I applaud bipartisanship, but I still cannot help it, y'all. I'm like Smedia. I grew up on X-Files, trust no one. I think the truth is out there, but these are still politicians. And I don't want to be in such a rush for disclosure today that 20 years from now, I'm regretting the loss of freedoms that have happened because of that. We don't know when we start going down this slippery slope of laws. It's, it's easy to give up a freedom and to say, okay, you, private company, You've got to reveal your secrets to us. But it's going to be very hard to get those freedoms back ever, you know, once we give them up. So I'm really cautious about that. I think we need to be very careful. And, um, you know, we should all be prepared with our emergency kits because you never know what's going to happen. I had, I had this discussion with Christopher today, and it, it's very difficult to navigate some of what's going well first of all relative to politics and schumer everybody's in this for politics at one level or another that's that's not unique to one party or the other and hopefully there's some genuine interest by some of these guys and gals that's that's what i hope uh but either way for us we don't care how we get it as long as they give us some information uh at least in a safe manner second of all if let's assume that there's a craft that's being held by a private company if 
is it in the interest of the U.S. government to say to company X, and I'm not going to name a company because we don't know what company that would be, so I'm not going to attribute uh, to a company. Hey, yeah, go ahead and retrieve this craft that, that uh, crashed in Iowa cornfield. Okay, so they go retrieve it. Okay, how is it in my interest as a government to do that? Now, if it's their intellectual property, you're right. We can't take it back from so it's more than likely that it was some, first of all, let's say there's local or state police that show up to a crash, and then all of a sudden Company X rolls in and says, hey, yeah, we're going to go ahead and take this and we're going to truck it off and be like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to do anything. So the government is going to be involved in some way in every one of these that happened. And then there's a difference between ownership and custodial responsibility. So if they allow a contractor to haul this off to their facility, there more than likely is a contractual relationship, a memorandum of agreement, and there's probably a contracting officer representative on site regardless if it is at Company X's facility in Provo, Utah, or name, name a city, okay? And that contracting officer representative is reporting back weekly on what is being done with that material and what they've actualized or not. Otherwise, there's no point in letting a contractor go and retrieve a craft unless you think you can get something from it. From their side, from the contractor side, do you want to pay a group of people to not only secure it, but have to pay these people to come in? No, you want to be under contract so that you're being paid to pay them. And usually it's a relationship whereby uh, if they were paying uh, Tim and myself $100,000 uh, in salary to be engineer or scientist on this craft, they're being paid, the company from the government, probably $160,000 uh, or $140,000. But there's always a, uh, an advantage that the company is being paid over and above what we make. So that's more than likely what's happening, and it, it's in some cases, it may be their intellectual property, but it's not in the U.S. government's interest to do that. Um, it also, it's very helpful. There's so much that we don't know, Tim, that we have to kind of say, okay, if there's so much we don't know, that's 90% of this, 99%. What do we know? Okay, we do know Christopher Mellon and what his background is and what he has came out for. We do know Lou Elizondo giving up his career in government. We do know that David Grush not only gave up his career in government, gave up his Air Force Reserve Commission, and now is 36-year-old that is now not employed by the government, not going to get his retirement, et cetera, et cetera. So the motives of, of, of one individual, we know, hey, <laughs> um, they're, they're not in cahoots with him hoping he's going to disclose something. They're trying to shut him up, which is why he made two IG complaints against them. Uh, because the first one just got him in, in more hot water than, than he was when he, he said, I want access to these programs. I'm with Arrow or I'm with the uh, UAP task force. And they said, we don't care. You're not getting access. So he said, well, I'll file an IG complaint. OK, then we'll maybe we'll break in your house or we'll just, you know, harass you. So then he filed a complaint with the ICIG. So it's not what we don't know, because that's most everything. You have to go with what we do know, someone who has skin in the game, who gave up something. So the opposite is true. The government is against him, not with him. That's why he's he's going before Congress because they can't stop him. He's a private citizen. 
if he were in the Air Force Reserve, maybe they could. Or maybe his boss at work would say to him if he were still a DOD civilian or working for uh, uh, the, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency or the NRO, hey, if you go and do that hearing, you know, maybe you're not going to get promoted. You know, but they they can't do any of that because he said, bye-bye. That's a courageous person. Anyway, uh, we have to move on to... So I, I wrote it down again, Nathan. So um, yeah, I actually skipped Matt and I took his slot. So we're going to start. I think it's Matt's turn. Mr. Matt, go ahead, sir. Yeah. Please. Uh, talking about politics and all this stuff, just for a second. Uh, I see this as, again, something that's not either this or that, but a lot of different things. And especially in today's uh, climate with, you know, China and Russia and everything going on, this is also a perfect opportunity for the United States government to uh, kind of pull a power move. It's a lot like playing, you know, Texas Hold'em. We don't know what cards they have, but they're showing the world, okay, well, we're all in. Here's, here's our bet. Do you want to call our bluff or not? So these other government entities around the world, uh, David Grush even spoke about everybody has these retrieval programs. It's not just the United States. But we have to assume that Russia and China, for instance, and I'm just using them as examples because of our current uh, standing with them, they also know about this stuff. They also have their own programs. Right now, with everybody not getting along, the United States is like, yeah, we know stuff. China and Russia have to be wondering, well, what do they know? What technology have they unlocked? What have they turned into a weapon of some kind that they could possibly use against us? So I think there's a lot of things going on besides just letting the general public of the United States know stuff. I think they're sending messages all over the world. I also think that money and power are uh, very driving factors in politics. But I think because of this phenomenon being kind of scary, I think you got a lot of politicians that are feeling fear and letting that motivate them. And you've got, like Deb was saying, these real humans, these real people that just happen to work for the government or just happen to be politicians are now like, hold on a second. These things are real. Well, what do you know? What, what haven't you told us? Why haven't you told us this? You know, do I need to be concerned with my children? Do I need to be concerned with my families? And I think that has a lot to do with why they're starting to try and push things now and trying to force the hand. Uh, how that will play out, your guess is as good as mine, anybody else's. With What's all your, being said. Okay. <laughs> I, I, thought, I was like, I hope there's a question in there. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the question is completely different. I'm going on a completely different uh, path with this one because I know that you find folks have uh, looked quite a bit in the Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, obviously, now there's beyond Skinwalker Ranch, but all these different areas like that, that they're discovering and studying and researching and everything, we'll just use Skinwalker Ranch specifically for the point of the question. What is Skinwalker Ranch? Nathan, that's to you. Oh, boy. Um, all right. Well, here's what I think. And this gets back to something we've talked about already. Uh, what if we took the, the tools, the technology, the, the experiments that they've been doing at Skinwalker Ranch and beyond Skinwalker Ranch, these other places, 
what if we just apply those same techniques anywhere? Right. I mean, we, we have this assumption that these are the places where weird things happen, like because they've been they've been known to happen or people have their stories about these places or whatever. So we we, we fixate on those locations as if that's where, you know, resident ghost happens to live, <laughs> whatever it is. That's their address. Right. Um, what if it's not the case? What if that that's not really how it is? What if that kind of phenomena, that behavior, that strangeness is actually everywhere? And we, it's just, we have to look for it. And if we start looking for it, we will find it everywhere. Um, and I think that's where I sort of lean is that um, the reality is really weird and a lot weirder than we think that our models of it are pretty bad uh, that uh, people have real experiences where their reality is shaken and, and changed because of, of, of the way it actually is. And uh, it just so happens that that, is everywhere it's it's ever present all around us and, and it's a matter of like turning our awareness to it uh, and when i when we turn our awareness to it then it becomes visible to us in a way we become aware of it um it's like that story um you guys may have heard this where like they didn't have the color uh, was it blue or something like a long time ago or it was uh, like they, they, if you look at ancient literature, like they describe the ocean as being like the color of wine or something like that. Like there's this weird uh, story where this notion of blue kind of emerged through uh, in history and it hadn't really been there before. Of course, blue had been there before, but we hadn't had a had a way to to be aware of it, perhaps. Uh, so similarly, that, that might be what's going on here. And that doesn't directly answer your question. But that's how I think about this issue. And for me, I'm going to, myself included, we got to tighten up our answers now because we're about 20 minutes away from two hours. So uh, for me, um, kind of like to think of the Bermuda Triangle, Matt, that, um, you know, there's a certain place where there are some sort of uh, magnetic forces and or these sort of uh, uh, these ley lines, you know, Deb's talked about uh, on her show. Um, I, I believe there's something there on, on that property that perhaps physically they've found it within the Mesa. Uh, it seems that they, they believe that they have drilled in there and, and found something and are, are now able to approximate a, sh uh, a shape. And also they see reactions. So from a scientific perspective, uh, it does appear that there is something uh, anomalous about that particular space uh, that as Nathan said, maybe in a lot of other places, because now they have beyond Skinwalker Ranch and they're going to these other places and they're finding an anomalous uh, activity. Uh, but I think it is a place that, that definitely um, maybe there, you know, I've heard Native Americans say that uh, I think uh, Jonathan Dover told us he believed that there may have been some sort of a deal between Native Americans and, and some sort of a, uh, uh, let's call it a non-human intelligence uh, to be able to use that area underneath the ranch, but um, it it doesn't seem like the most impossible thing that we've heard in the last two months. So um, I think it is a place where uh, there is some activity going on. I believe there's probably even Bigfoot activity there, but for some reason they've chosen not to discuss that on the show. Uh, so now we're going to Deb's. Yeah, so um, I think I agree more with Nathan that any place can be as special as Skinwalker, really. If you just look up, you're going to see a UFO eventually. I think there's that many of them. 
um, that there are that many anomalous things happening. It's just a matter of paying attention. Um, but I also think that that's a very special area because there's been a lot of radioactivity in that area. Um, and I can't rule out that some of that influences what's going on and might be attracting um, UFOs to the area because um, they seem very interested in radioactive areas. Um, and I think that they should be carrying Geiger counters more often while they're there. That's Deb's new thing. It's all about the Geiger counter, baby. Uh, Julie asked a question in chat, our chat moderator. Jules, um, they can classify a program um there's an original classification authority. People are named that. The uh, president is can declassify anything he wants. The last two presidents we've had with a high clearance are like George H. In the last 50 years are like George H.W. Bush and Jimmy Carter are the only two that actually had like a TSSCI polygraph background check, you know. Uh, so uh, I but but yes, any of them can declassify a program. But um, yes, anybody can can uh, justify to their boss and say, yeah, we need to classify this. And obviously a lot of this information is just overclassified, you know, DOD wide. So, and let, let me jump in on that real quick, yeah. DJ, if that's okay. Sometimes sure. program programs can be classified and not until decades or longer later, do we realize they actually were uh, immoral and illegal. And a great example of that is the Tuskegee Airmen experiments, mm -hmm. you know, experiments where we've injected our own citizens with syphilis just to see what happens. And so sometimes these programs are not viewed as illegal and immoral until much after the fact. No doubt, man. Historiography and, and, and actually not even historiography. I mean, they're just unconscionable things that have happened and, and uh, makes me sick, frankly. Um, let's see. We're going to, uh, that was Deb. So me. CJ goes next. Man. Yeah. I feel like I could talk about Skinwalker Ranch forever, but I'm going to keep it brief with our time. Um, of course, there's a show, right? There's a History Channel show. So you've got the drama, you've got the spectacle, you've got all of that going on. However, having had a few of the individuals on our show after we stopped our recording and they started talking and I wish we could have recorded it, they're just real people. They're real people and this is their job. And they 100% fully believe that something is happening on this ranch that is special. And for that reason, I too believe that there's something happening on that ranch that is special. I do not think it's the only place where these things are happening. I think that their future show is proof of that. And to Nathan's point, I do not want any of their technology coming to my home to look for things because I don't want to know. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy to just go about my day and make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and you know think these things are happening to other people. Tim, like, could you see if there's 1.6 gigahertz next time you're over no, at CJ's no, place, no, please? No, 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 no. <laughs> it reminded me of the black light in the college dorm. Like, just not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going next to um, Smitty, please. Uh, kind of same along the lines of CJ. I believe it is a special place and that, you know, but this technology, I wish they could take it to other places like Devil's Den and, and other places other areas and see what's going on there's so many places that exist i believe that are similar to skinwalker's ranch they just are focusing on this so much that it is pulling back the veil per se in this particular area where you know there's so many things that exist out there that are unknown that would be nice if 
we could take that technology and just go out. Now, that's kind of what they did in, in the next show that mm-hmm. we talked about. But, uh, as long as we don't take it to CJ's house, I guess it'd be okay. Yes, we do not want to measure. Yeah. So please Universe, leave your measuring. If you're listening, do not visit me. Just keep it away. Keep it away. <laughs> so Nathan, you know, one other thing I forgot to mention, another thing that makes mouth. Skinwalker Ranch very interesting is Robert Bigelow's involvement in it before um, Brandon Fugel took over. Don't you still yeah. my under? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When no, I you can, to- no, you can say what you need. When I listen to Chris Bartell talk about that he was out there, um, first of all, he was out there, which is he and he and another guy when he first went out there. And then they to reduce costs, they got rid of the other guy and he was out there alone. And I'm like, that violates any possible protocol that you could imagine to have someone securing that property on their own. Like anything could happen to him and he would just be dead by the time anybody got there. I, I just I kind of lost respect for Bigelow at that point. Um, okay, so next uh, person is me, I guess, right? My topic, my, or did uh, anybody? Tim's gonna Tim respond. didn't go. Go ahead, sir. So I'm going to go the DJ route on this, and I'm going to talk about, real quick, what is known about Skinwalker Ranch, just briefly. And sometimes I think the known, obvious things are the things we overlook the most. Hmm. We know, thank you, CJ, it was purchased by Robert Bigelow an aerospace billionaire, right? We know it is an incredibly remote location that especially decades ago would have been perfect for testing all of our top secret aircraft and other technologies. And you know what? I think that kind of gets overlooked a lot, right? Like we don't actually talk about those parts of it a whole lot. But that's what we know. Now, what about things that it could be? It could be the site of a UFO recovery or some sort of unknown metallurgical remnants of an ancient UFO recovery. You know, we've got a lot of talk now about giant UFOs that they have to put buildings over. Mm-hmm. Um, about A lot of talk about, Bob Lazar mentioned, Deriving technology from ancient UFOs. Okay. So it could be the site of something like that. It could also be the site of, you know, some sort of thinning in the dimensions, if you believe what Robert Grush had to say or or what he alluded to that per, he's going to call them NHIs because we have no evidence from there. They're from another part of space, which interestingly, we talked to Avi Loeb about the David Grush comments and. He essentially said David Grush was full of crap, that David Grush had no, we have no evidence whatsoever of other dimensions, which I thought that was very interesting that Avi Loeb had that take. But anyway, perhaps Skinwalker Ranch is the site uh, of the thinning of the veil of dimensions and and uh, we and it perhaps the site of ancient beliefs, ancient things that have happened there, supernatural things with with the native folks there. We've had folks on our show from a, a great folks from a place called Board Camp Crystal Mine in Arkansas, and they have a lot of this similar activity there. Matter of fact, Expedition Unknown with Josh Gates was at their property. They have UFO encounters, and by the way, which left incredible physical evidence of magnetism and, and physical damage. They have big, uh, Bigfoot encounters. They have um, basically teleportation of crystals and other objects there 
But what's most exciting about Skinwalker Ranch is, of course, if it's more than one of these things. So if in addition to just being a remote place that's great for testing super top secret things, it's more than that, but also one or more of these other items I mentioned. I'm with CJ. It's currently owned by Brandon Fugel. We know that. And CJ and I and Smitty believe that we also know they're doing legit scientific work there. Yeah, I mean, right, Tim, when when they have that drill bit going in the side of the mountain with 4,000 pounds of pressure and all of a sudden it just can't go any further, but yet the drill bit is not scuffed as, as what they would expect to see if it had encountered something that, that would be really abrasive. I mean, that's anomalous. I mean, that's something that's inexplicable. So I take them at face value. Uh, go ahead, sir. Uh, so All right, so we went, Tim. Matt, so okay, so it's me now, my topic. Um, so real quickly, guys, I have sort of a, an A and a B. It's just, uh, is there a revelation that could come out here? about something that's being done that's, say, untoward under our noses that would drive you away from this topic, A. And B, this is just kind of a, a yes or no, but in terms of uh, we've discussed this on uh, the last episode, Bigfoot, are you down for having someone shoot one and bring it in or just let them continue to you know, be mysterious forest creatures and on their own? Uh, so that one would go to... Debs, I know your answer to the second one, but how about how about the first one, Debs? Um, there's nothing that's going to turn me away from the topic because no matter what it is, if it's you know our tech, uh, multi-dimensional uh, NHI, whatever it is, it's fascinating, and I want to know. Um, and I actually think everything's on the table. By the way, I think it's all of it. Um, so I just I want to know, and I think we have the right to know. Um, and of course, uh, to the second part, as you said, you already know, uh, no, leave, leave the Bigfoot alone. Do not shoot that thing. Leave alone. Yeah. I, and the reason it came up that Marine Corps guy, and I'll send this off to, uh, to, uh, to Tim so that he can share it with CJ and Smitty, but it's basically a Marine Corps guy interviewing with the Navy SEAL. And he's basically talking about a UFO craft they encountered in Indonesia and um, when he went to speak at the Stephen Greer uh, press conference, someone approached him and said, I know that uh, what was inside those Connex boxes that were being loaded on that craft, and it was it's human trafficking. Um, there's nothing to necessarily back that up, but I'm saying there's some there could be an aspect of this that is really off-putting. So that I'm thinking of out, outside the box of something like that, that's even more extreme than the things that David Grush said. So with that, we're going to miss uh, CJ. So <laughs> I'm very tenderhearted. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I will admit there has been times that we have done this podcast that afterwards I've thought to myself, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> this is too intense. I'm losing too much sleep. I am starting to see and hear things that aren't real or, you know, I truly, yeah, there probably is something out there that if I learned about it, I might think, okay, I think I've hit the wall and I need to stop doing any more research so that I can just live normally and sleep at night. Um, I don't know what that is yet because here I am. <laughs> Continue to move forward. Uh, as for Bigfoot, no, I don't want anybody to shoot a Bigfoot. I don't need um, a Bigfoot to die for me to have proof of anything. So, no. All right. Uh, and the next would be Mr. Smitty. I'm is there something... It. 
Go ahead, sir. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was, I'm going yes, to answer your question. I'm going to put it real country. I'm just going to hang in there like a tick on a hound dog. And whatever <laughs> whatever comes out, it's going to draw me closer, I think, to, to the investigative side of it. Just peeling back the layers is something that I enjoy. I, I just love doing research and and digging deeper into things and you know to see some other connection would make us go in that direction possibly and and research that uh, as far as bigfoot goes you know if i see one i'm gonna leave it alone i think everyone else should also so. that's a great answers uh yeah and it, it's just that the more there are things, uh, I'm, you know, as I, Tim and I talked about, and everybody knows I'm not a conspiracy guy, but there are some things, some revelations here that you can't really ignore that, that lead to some darker uh, aspects of these topics that, that are kind of like what CJ said are beyond my, my comfort level. And uh, so who knows where, where, where it could go uh, if, if that, that box is opened. But uh, uh, did did we get to everybody? Uh, Matt nope. needs to go. It's Matt, Tim, Tim next. Oh, Tim. Sorry, Tim. Oh, no worries. So I think the one thing that could turn me off of the UFO phenomenon, UAP phenomenon, is if we really start. In, and by the way, there seems to have, we admit, be some sort of connection um, between UFOs, the UAP phenomenon, and nuclear, um, right? There's some sort of connection there. Um, one surprising thing when we talked to Mr. Billy, the eyewitness of the Florida Mississippi UFO, one of the over a dozen law enforcement officers we had him on the show, and this came out of nowhere, totally shocked us. Is that, and, and this has not been revealed anywhere. A lot had been known about this case, but this was not anywhere. Is that, um, you know, the day after this incident, he got a phone call and the sheriff answered. And the sheriff said, Here, you, you talked to Mr. Billy about it. And it was none other on the phone than. Dr. J. Allen Hynek, wow, who had some revelations that he revealed to Mr. Billy on the phone. And one of the things he said, you know, we, well, he said we believe they, they um, seem to be able to use uh, gravitational waves and travel along certain lines of the Earth, and that they, uh, you know, he also wanted to know was there a nuclear facility anywhere close to them that they seem to have some sort affinity for nuclear. And a lot of our shows, we couldn't help but get tangled up. And some previous notions called mad and sad, simultaneous atomic destruction, mutually assured destruction. And that indeed, unfortunately, is a part of this conversation when you talk about all the parties involved. And we admit that there's some sort of nuclear uh, connection or correlation going on here. And that would turn me off real quick. I'm going to invoke the biblical here or the Southern with Smitty. You know, uh, it's going to be the, you know, my. My kids and the pets and me, and we're heading to the hills. If if I see apocalypse, Armageddon is about to throw down, right? Um, then that that's going to turn me off real quick. All of a sudden, I'm going to be focused on something else besides UFO Twitter and uh, Bigfoot hunting. So I'd like to do it. I've had this thought experiment about Bigfoots, and I love Bigfoot. Of course, I've written a lot some Bigfoot children's books. If you go to squatching.com, you'll see them. But my Bigfoot thought experiment is this. What if all the UFO UAP headlines we've had the last few years were actually about Bigfoot? So you can you imagine? Navy admits Bigfoot footage is real. <laughs> okay. 
what would that do to the world, y'all? What what would that do to the world? And I'll just leave you with that thought experiment. What if the UFO UAP headlines were Bigfoot headlines? And I'll let you have it at that. Let Matt riff on that one. Go ahead, Matt. Oh no, actually, well, we'll we'll get to Matt, but bit, and and we'll 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 both uh, have a shot at that at the end. But let's get. Oh, is that is it Matt's turn now? Mm-hmm. It is, and then you. Sorry, go ahead, uh, go ahead, my friend. What am I answering? Which one? So, so basically, <laughs> you know, since uh, Tim put out an, an interesting thought experiment, we've talked about it. What if all the his his questions even better than mine? What if all the UAP headlines were um, were Bigfoot headlines that we've seen since twenty seventeen New York Times article? Yeah, what would happen? Uh, I would probably get paid a lot more to do my podcast. <laughs> uh, Whoever. <laughs> uh, I don't, so here's the difference. I, I don't think it would ever happen. Uh, but if we're just speculating that it did, I think Thought instead, of, instead of having all these people on board and hanging on the government's every word, every word, you know, what comes next, what information it would be more along the lines of like, yeah, they're lying to us again. Bigfoot's not real. I, I, I don't think enough people would be on board with it. I, I don't think people would believe it. I think people would uh, just say it's a distraction from the real news and the real stuff going on. Uh, if it was a situation where it was proven without a doubt, uh, it wasn't just, you know, the slow leak, but like, here's one in captivity for everyone to look at. Uh, I think people would start freaking out. I think people would uh, want to move into the cities instead of out of them. I think uh, camping would take on a whole new uh, realm. I, I think it would be an entirely different atmosphere in your national parks. Uh, the the financial repercussions for so many industries, you know, that might be a reason right there just for them not to ever do that. Uh, the government is tied to too many corporations that rely on natural resources. And if you've got something out there uh, that might possibly be a type of human or even an animal, either way, uh, once you admit that it's there, well, now we got to shut everything down. Now we got to do population studies. Now we got to go out and see what their environment is, what their habitat is. If there's, not enough of them, which there's obviously not. They need to be protected. So how much space does a Bigfoot get? You know, <laughs> quite a bit more than a spotted owl. And we've seen how much problem that caused. So, yeah, I, I think a total catastrophic event would be a very big possibility in that situation. And how do you control where they go with their migration pattern? Hey, you guys have to stay right here in Salt Fork State Park. Like, don't go beyond that boundary right there. So... The LBL, that's... Yeah, how do they control where the elephants go in Africa, you know? Right. (laughs) (laughs) They don't. Right. (laughs) So, um, anyway, Nathan, go ahead, sir. Uh, Yeah, I'll just uh, be quick about it. I I mean, there's a veneer in in the... Our reality has a thin veneer to it, right? And I'm kind of coming back to something CJ said, and I I resonate with as a parent, too. You know, like, it's just... we all know that there's a sort of deeper layers to the world, right? That there are deeper levels of, of what, what's happening. We all know that our governments, I don't mean name one has probably done something really 
uh, unsettling and unsavory uh, in, in the in the name of keeping their uh, citizenry safe. Or at least that was a justification that they used. And sometimes they do things, uh, you know, for terrible reasons, not even for good ones. Um, so I think we, we recognize that that's true. And as a result, um, you know, maybe we're better left just kind of living a little bit in, in ignorance to some degree. You know, like it's, it's better to like not know all of the dark things that maybe that, that, that happen, um, because what is our culpability, right? What is our, what is our connection and our responsibility uh, to that uh, when we know the, the truth there? And, um, and, then, and then like things start unraveling, like the narrative that we've all like constructed and shared together, like it starts unraveling pretty quickly. And I don't think we, we live in a world now where we can actually like do any of that very safely. Like everything is too inter interconnected. I mean, just look, look, look what happened when the supply chain stuff like had a disaster. I mean, it was just cascading effects that, that ripple throughout all of our, our society. So, I mean, you know, a lot of folks that just say, well, I want all the truth and I want it now. I just think I, I, I totally get it. I mean, I want the truth too. We all like, we like knowing what the truth is, but at the, I think we also have, like these governments have responsibility for, for billions of people. I mean, you know, if the truth could, could create, you know, millions of catastrophes, like, is that, is it worth it? I mean, probably not. I don't think so. I've had people flat out tell me they don't want to know, like regarding this topic, uh, specifically like the UAP stuff, not related to ghosts and, and Bigfoot, um, because that isn't being taken seriously as well as this. But I've had people tell me I don't want to know. So I'm I like, you, oh, OK. I tell you what, DJ, yes, sir. let me borrow some of those shades. And tomorrow I put them on and I see some alien skulls underneath some skin <laughs> And then my television says, obey, go shopping, get eight hours of sleep. I'm probably out then, too, so I'm, I forgot about that part. Are you Roddy Roddy Piper? I came here to chew some bubble gum and whoop some butt, y'all, and I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you what, when we when we do the, the uh, joint cab and uh, all things unexplained uh, Bigfoot outing, I will bring you a brand new pair of these glasses, okay? And some Zagnuts. I'll, I'll bring the Zagnuts. <laughs> okay, brother. Um, okay, so let's see. Now we have uh, Deb's topic. Ma'am. Yeah, I'm going to make it as quick as I can um, yes, for everyone to answer this, but... Um, we've talked a little bit about the topic I wanted to talk about was, um, you know, the right of the government to um, essentially decide for us whether or not something scary is happening. And I personally don't think that it is their right to decide that. Um, I don't think that they should be the ones that make those decisions, just like I wouldn't expect the government to keep us all out of the water because of sharks or keep us all out of certain areas because of earthquakes or you know i just i don't think that actually is their right um so i just wanted to throw that out there if you think there is someone that you would accept that decision making from um essentially who do you think could make that decision for us miss cj Oh, you know, I there's one person I would trust, and I don't think they'd ever give him the authority. But we have no, not you, Tim. Stop yourself right now. <laughs> 
You just go ahead and stop yourself. We have had on our show astrophysicist Dr. Charles Liu. He works for the Hayden Planetarium. He's brilliant. He's written lots of books. He's so philosophical. He thinks deeply about everything. And if he made decisions in my life every day, I would accept them fully. (laughs) If he told me I was ready to know more, I'd be ready to know more. So he's a good friend of the show. I'm going to say Dr. Charles Liu. And that's my hometown planetarium, Hayden Planetarium. It's oh, New York. I'm dying right? to go. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Go ahead. We went there in elementary school. Go ahead, uh, Mr. Smitty, please. I don't know who I'd be willing to accept answers from because I really don't trust the government uh, to tell us more than what they think we can handle. You know, so there's a lot of doubt in my mind as to what we talked about earlier they're telling us and how that's connected to other things. I, I don't know really of any one person I could say, yes, definitely this is person that tells me this. I trust them fully. Uh, I'd have to see things more with my eyes than I would anyone else. I guess the only person I would trust to do that would be me. So I hope that doesn't come off as arrogant, but I just kind of a see it, believe it kind of thing. More of a reason for our Bigfoot outing, Smitty. That's so. exactly <laughs> right. I'm ready. All right, brother. All right, uh, Mr. Tim, sir. Dr. Mounts. Well, I mean, that that's such a tough question, but I, I'll just say this. So I recently read The Stand by Stephen King. Didn't Didn't recently come out, but it very well could have because... To read the stand post twenty twenty, okay, it's almost like everything that happened was at the beginning of the stand, y'all. And except it kept going, right? So next thing you know, there was no government. There were no institutions, right? And it takes me back to a quote that I've heard a few times recently. Hard times make hard men. Hard men make good times. Good times make soft men. Soft men make hard times. And I think that in those situations, you got to be able to take care of yourself. You know, and one more quote about that. It's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. you got to be able to handle your own business and be able to take care of you and your own. And that's that's what I'm going to do. Also, a great movie with Charles Bronson called Hard Times. You so. have a gift for not directly answering the questions, Tim. Like, such I a gift. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Matt. <laughs> I'd like to add on to that. Let the good times roll. <laughs> <laughs> He's quoting the cars in Rick Ocasek. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to go... Uh, in a complete different direction with my answer, just to piss everybody off. Oh, you'd never. I can't. I imagine. think the government does have the right to do it. Why? <laughs> because it's our job to elect people to give them that right because we trust that they'll do the right thing. Why? Because we're all idiots. We're all dumb. <laughs> we're all stupid. And the whole like aloe vera and toilet paper fiascos <laughs> just proves that. Thank Every you, time. There's a cold front coming in in Oklahoma. You can bet within 24 hours, 
all the bottled water, milk, and hamburger meat are gone out of the grocery stores. I don't know if it's like that everywhere else, but that's how it is here. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think they should tell us anything. If I was in control of the government, y'all wouldn't even know what UFOs were. I would just play stupid the entire time. I wouldn't tell anybody anything because people can't handle the information. Plain and simple. We're not talking about people like us who are following the subject and researching it, investigating it, and trying to keep level heads and understand everything. We're talking about the people you run into at Walmart at 3 o'clock in the morning knowing all the information. What are they going to do? How are they going to react? That's what they got to think about. The majority of the population aren't level-headed individuals. Plain and simple. That's the scary fact of it. Uh, so I trust the government. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. I can't even say it without laughing. Yeah, I know, because I feel like your level of your conspiracy theory. I mean, I feel like you and, and Dr. Mouse have a budding friendship. That's, a, that's yeah, a, for sure. Yeah, uh, for sure. I can tell you one thing. The 3 a.m. Walmart crowd is going to Huddle House after they leave Walmart. That's what they're doing. In, in, in Mississippi, if it has a snowflake fall, we go and get milk and bread. Some reason people like milk and bread sandwiches. I don't know what the deal is. Milk sandwiches. You, but now, listen, seriously, you walk into a Huddle House or Waffle House, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., that place is packed. It's going to be slammed. I don't know why. All right. Just <laughs> as a little side note, my whole podcasting journey and Bigfooting journey uh, – Started with two individuals, one from Grenada, Mississippi, wow. and the other from uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama, I believe. And their names are Bear and Kumbo. So, uh, I get outlaws, guys. baby. Yeah, I, I, I get you guys entirely. Spent a lot of time at Grenada Lake. I actually have an uncle we call Bear. So, uh oh. <laughs> Look out. I love it, Nathan. And I mean, you guys, know, one, of, one of my best volleyball friends was Taterbug. Mm, <laughs> Bug and Buck Rogers and the Possum Head Man. I, I can't wait till part two of this podcast till we do because there's just so much more to get to. I mean, I feel like Tim could just go on like a really good 30 minute uh, rant right here. So go ahead, Nathan. Uh, you know, I was going to say Keanu Reeves. Uh, I just think that guy's a good dude. You know, I listen to him. <laughs> Pop tell us, wins. tell us like it's straight, you know, tell, yeah, give us a straight story. But uh, Matt, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with Matt on this, right? I think, um, you know, unfortunately, just the way the world is, like we have to have structures that we have and, you know, it'd be responsible of them to just like, you know, dump some knowledge on us that would result in really bad behavior and a cascading series of events that, you know, they can't control. And I hate that, right? I hate that, that that's that, that's the case, but I think it's true. Um, I think if we were in their shoes, we probably would do the same because we, we would understand the weight of that responsibility. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, first of all, if I had to pick somebody, I guess it would be Nathan to <laughs> make the decision. No, I'm all, all kidding. So, I mean, I, I don't know who that person would be because, you know, that I, I, I just don't know. But what I do know is, is basically, and again, it's going to take off of what Nathan said, is that it's very difficult when you're being charged with these responsibilities. And I'll just use, like, for example, uh, there was a lot of uh, hot and heavy uh, UAP talk around when C.Q. Brown, Charles Q. Brown, took over the Air Force, which was, I mean, uh, right around 2019. I think it was right after the, the George Floyd inf incident he took over. And he was charged with, after the pullout of Af Afghanistan, of remaking the Air Force 
from flying in these permissive environments like Iraq and Afghanistan to being able to fight Russia and China that are totally, completely opposite and have robust integrated air defense plus bombers, fighters, and everything else that these other countries didn't. So while people would criticize C.Q. Brown for his take, probably his stance on UAPs, they had to look at, hey, I've got to remake the Air Force. Like, we are not prepared to fight. This is not Iraq. This is not Afghanistan. It's not permissive. So same thing goes for, and you can just keep going up levels from county level, you know, town level, county level, state level, federal government. Now you have somebody that's charged with trying to figure out what the um, American public can digest and what might happen as a result of that. And it's not a job that that I would want. I certainly don't think I'm qualified to, to, to know what that is. And I think sometimes they get it wrong, uh, very wrong. Sometimes they get it right. And um, as far as this topic, uh, we're going to find out uh, just how wrong or right they got it after uh, Congress uh, uh, digs their, their teeth into this because they're basically saying, look, we were elected, you weren't, and therefore uh, we represent the American people and you're going to tell us. And uh, eventually, I think, uh, uh, unlike that drill at Skinwalker Ranch, I think they'll be able to penetrate some of it. <laughs> so, all right. Um, who goes after me? CJ, bring it home. It's me. Deb, that was a great question. Yes. Thanks for asking that. Uh, did you have thoughts on it, by the way, Deb, before we move on? Yeah, I just wanted to say that um, just as a thought experiment, just to throw it out there, what if we continue down this path of the government has the right to keep it a secret and then like 50 UFOs land in our sky? Just something to think about. Like what what was was that the good decision then? Like, you know, so I'm just throwing that out there to think about or like 50 Bigfoot come and hang out around the White House. Just something to think about. Okay. Okay, go ahead, ahead, CJ. Okay. It's very complex. So my topic, and I'll keep it super short, is an event that happened in Las Vegas a couple of months ago, and I'm sure that you guys all know about it and probably even talked about it on your show, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it on our show yet. And this is one thing that actually had friends of mine that don't normally reach out to me about my podcast, reaching out saying, what do you think about this? Are you guys going to dig in deeper? And um, Tim, I know you put together a clip. Is that something that we want to play real quick? And then I'll ask my question. It's a scene straight out of the X-Files. A family in Las Vegas insisting something is out there after allegedly having a close encounter of the third kind. I swear to God, this is not a joke. One witness calling 911 after they say an object fell out of the sky and landed in their backyard. They're like nine foot, ten foot tall. They look like aliens to us. Big eyes, they have big eyes. The mysterious object that fell from the sky, even the officers apparently saw that. The green glow of the alleged UFO is seen on this newly released body camera footage. I have butterflies, bro. Everyone saw a shooting star, then these people say there's aliens in their backyard. So when that 911 call came in, less than an hour later, police were ready to believe it. It was like a big creature. A big creature? Yeah, like around 10 feet tall. Because I'm not going to BS you guys. One of my partners said they saw something fall out of the sky too, so that's yes. why I'm kind of curious. Did good. you see anything land in your backyard? Or? But after a brief investigation of the yard, officers closed the case as unfounded. If those, if, those, if those nine foot beings come back, don't call us, all right? Deal with it yourself. That, I ain't dealing with that. <laughs> 
According to former intelligence officer David Grush, an alien crash landing isn't too far-fetched. Grush recently turned over documents to Congress claiming the U.S. government has a vast collection of vehicles that have non-human origin. Andrew Dimbert, ABC News, New York. Okay, so my question's simple. Real or fake? What's your thought? Smitty. Smitty, Brother you're Smitty, mute. you're on mute. Wasn't this the case also where it showed the outline of the craft in the back? Yes. I don't know. It's pretty convincing, especially you see the footage from his body camera. I've never seen a fallen star look like that. I'll put it that way. I can say this. If that would have happened in Mississippi, there would have been gunfire involved if there had been a nine-foot creature in someone's backyard, more than likely. But I don't know. It's 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 a hard thing to to really say. Uh, but it's kind of like I was reading some something earlier uh, about UFOs. Kind of like who you call when this happens. If you call the police, uh, they're not equipped to handle it. You call some other government entity, they're not really going to handle it. I mean, if you do see something like this, you're pretty much on your own. Because if people do come out, most of the time, nine times out of ten, they're probably going to think that you have lost your mind. So there is some evidence, I think, to back that this is real, especially the outline, the the body footage camera or body camera footage and, and those types of things. It's a strange, strange uh, happening. We'll put it that way. Uh, two things for you, Smitty. Uh, the, we saw gunfire when I was going through flight school at Little Rock. We they, uh, we used to get shot at all the time doing low level. And be like, yeah. what? What are these dudes doing out in the country? They're shooting at C one thirties from Little Rock. <laughs> but yeah, it it happened fairly regularly that we got shot at. Um, sec- second of all, uh, regarding that, it's interesting that you point that out because coming up on the show soon is Professor Keith Taylor. Dr. Keith Taylor was a retired NYPD SWAT and other aspects. He was all over NYPD for his entire career. He's a professor at John Jay College, and he wants to set up basically a training program that can go state, county, local, and it will train officers what to do to deal with a uh, UAP call a Bigfoot call or a paranormal call because he feels like that uh, agencies are not equipping their law enforcement officers, as you just mentioned. They don't know what to do, and they deserve to have that training. So uh, we're going to have two cops on with us as co-hosts um, in addition to Dr. Taylor. So that that's coming up here pretty soon. Pretty amazing. Like you said, though, I mean, who do you call? Because they're not trained. They're not, it's not, not fair trained. to them. I mean, that yes. would be like... You know, calling the police to come in my history class and teach, you know, early American history. They're not trained for that. I'm not trained to go. I think they could do uh, that. Oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Miles. We'll have this out later. But, you know, I I tell the kids all the time in class, not everybody's equipped for everything. I've got three college degrees, but I can't take somebody's gallbladder out. You know, I'm not trained that way. And so. When you do see this, these things, and nobody takes you seriously, it's disheartening. And I think so many people, instead of uh, 
talking about it, they just shut down because nobody's taking them seriously. And I think that's led to a lot of incidents oh. being, you know, just brought in instead of actually told to, to outward <laughs> to the public. Hey, so there's there's Dr. Taylor. It happens to be in the uh, chat right now. So, Dr. Taylor, we were just talking about you. Uh, Smitty brought up this topic, and that we're gonna have you on and try to figure out what kind of a program you would come up with uh, to get um, get police officers uh, trained so they know how to deal with UAPs, Bigfoot, or or paranormal. So, thank you, Dr. Taylor. Actually, we're gonna talk scheduling with you because I think we're gonna bring a UK uh, counterterrorism police officer on with you. And so we may need to do daytime. <laughs> Keith, your ears must be burning. <laughs> Thank you, Money Nathan. Um, so, uh, Dr. Mounts, can you go ahead, sir? Yeah, when you said Dr. Taylor's here, I thought Travis is here, but I said, <laughs> they decided, get the rockets, y'all. We'll get some UFOs up there, y'all. But uh, we got um, PhDs galore around here, man. We got you, crazy. you know, we got uh, Dr. It's like, Taylor. wow, yeah. Travis Taylor, Dr. Travis jumped in here. But uh, you know, interestingly, if you live on Navajo land, you do have somebody to call the Navajo. Oh, that's Rangers. right. The paranormal call Jonathan Dover and uh, Stan Millbrook. Come on, man. Yeah. So go ahead. <laughs> so in addition to the Ghostbusters, if you're on Navajo land, you got somebody you can call. And, you know, funny you should say that, Smitty, about if they were in Alabama and Mississippi, you know, that I agree they'd be in big trouble. But if you actually watch this full video, these dudes are packing heat in the video. Like, these dudes came to this UFO crash heavy. Like, they they were equipped, son, to deal with some trouble. Now, why they chose not to deal with it, I don't know. But you watch that full video, and you see these guys are strapped. They're, re they're ready for trouble. So uh, you get the feeling that whatever it was chose the wrong yard there in Vegas. But I will say this. This incident, and by the way, CJ, I'm getting my best non-answer ready here. This incident reminded me. <laughs> this incident reminded me, believe it or not, of the Travis Walton story. Here's this group of folks. They see a bright light in the sky. They say, "What was this? Let's go investigate." Now, imagine what would have happened back then had there been cell phones. All right. And Travis Walton and them went and investigated. And I can't help but wonder if we were really close to a similar situation. If we believe the Travis Walton story, we believe that this group of friends encountered something similar and coworkers. And they went to investigate. And what they saw shocked them. They saw Travis Walton knocked to the ground and they got out of there. And when they came back, he was gone. And he was gone for days, and they were almost charged with murder. When, of course, this is 2023, and this would have all been captured on cell phone footage. And what what would have the country have made of that? And were we close to seeing some sort of modern-day Travis Walton situation play out in Las Vegas, Nevada? I don't know, but that's what it reminded me of. Matt. My answer is not nearly as much fun. Uh, I believe we see a meteorite that contained uh, copper, which is why it glows green. I've seen them myself numerous times. I believe you had a little bit of alien hysteria because of all the UFO talk in the media and the news. I think the same thing happened after uh, 
War of the Worlds came out on the radio. Everybody was seeing aliens in their backyard. I don't really think this was a hoax. I just think it was uh, some scared people because they saw a shooting star and didn't know what it was. They just immediately went to UFO and got freaked out. Money. But I could be wrong. Well, that's unlikely that you're wrong. <laughs> I know. That's stretching know. things a little bit. I just wanted to make people feel better. Okay. I think it's a good take. I mean, it's a it's a fair take for sure. And uh, I, I mean, I think just as you pointed out, the coincidental timing of it was really strange. Uh, you had the Grush story breaking like I think the same day or the day. But I mean, it was like it's just back, after like a day back later. to back, right? Yeah, a day later. Yeah, the, and, and Grush happened first, and then this happened. Yeah. Exactly. And this story got all the media attention. So um, yeah, just kind of odd. I, I I did think it was. I leaned toward the hoax initially, but now I'm not so sure. Um, just because all the family was uh, seemingly involved and in, in the police response and the sincerity that you see on that on that body cam footage. Um, it's strange. Very strange. Um, but this is like the phenomenon, right? It's like phenomenon 101. You know, there's always something like it's a little bit weird about what's going on. There's there's uh, an eyewitness experience. There's also like a meteorological uh, uh, moment or whatnot that can discount that experience. And we have to sort of weigh all these different factors to come to a conclusion it's, it's frustrating i think i'm about to win a waffle fries uh from dr mounts with this answer but um i think that uh, and maybe even like the grilled chicken chick-fil-a sandwich but um i i i first of all i don't really think about it uh i i saw it and i just was not impressed with it it looked like a ruse to me uh, it looked like something that may have been used. Um, I'm going to go a little bit conspiracy theorist here. Something to counter program Grush's uh, disclosure. And um, because I had people, for example, um, I have a friend, a Navy SEAL buddy of mine, and um, the the Grush story was not on the news channel that that he frequents. And you can just kind of take a guess at what the, what that one might be. And then all of a sudden, um, he does contact me uh, and se- and literally sends me the video of this and says, hey, what do you think of this? So I think that one was meant to get out and possibly to counter-program Grush's uh, revelations and his disclosures. And I-, I really don't put anything in it. There have been hundreds of thousands of UFO sightings all over the world that we've heard. And um, we've heard police recordings up to and including... Uh, uh, Calvin Parker and uh, what's that guy's name? Hickson, I, I think is his last name. So we've heard, you know, many of these things. And so, okay, is just another one. And it may have even been put out there and timed uh, to sort of take some of the edge off of uh, uh, news agencies picking up on Grush's story. Uh, who goes after me? Um, Debs. I'm going to throw another conspiracy theory out there. How to normalize UFOs and aliens interacting with humanity by throwing out more stories like that to the point where people are like, oh, it's just another one. Right. So you may never know which ones are the real ones. And I do think that family did look awfully freaked out. You know, I think it was also a meteorite, but there could have been more than one object. But my point is, I feel like that's a tactic, too. Like, that's how you normalize the topic. You just keep throwing stories like that out there until everyone's like, eh, okay, it's another day with an alien. I say give her a, a, a large waffle fries. 
<laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that Avi Loeb has just finished a search for a meteorite that crashed off Papua New Guinea that mm-hmm. he says could be proof of alien technology. So I do not think that meteorite and UFO are mutually exclusive. Okay. Great point. Great point. Yep. Um, I tell you what, guys, uh, this is probably one of this two and a half hours, probably one of the longer shows we've ever done, but it was a hell of a lot of fun and we had a lot of laughs. So with that, um, I say we go with cabbie goodbyes. Uh, Matt. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, you guys are awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man. It's past my bedtime, all right? I'm trying to keep it short and to the point. So, bye, y'all. I'm going to get you tucked in. Leslie, tuck him in. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Debs. I'm just grateful that we have each other, like, all the the people in the community to deal with these things. Because there's just, like, it's mind-boggling sometimes. And there's plenty of people who are just going about their day and not worrying about it. And so to me, that's mind boggling too, by the way. Um, so I just appreciate everyone coming to talk to us about that and that we, that we're doing this. Thank you. Thank you, Debs. I, and uh, Dr. Taylor, I'll call you tomorrow, but uh, Nathan, go ahead, sir. Yeah. Amen to that. I know we started this podcast uh, with a cage match uh, intention, but I feel like we left as friends and uh it really makes me happy. Uh, you guys are terrific and uh, good sports for, for being with us for this long on this uh, on this evening. And, and like DJ said, we look forward to the next one. I think it's going to be a wonderful conversation. And I have a feeling we'll have a lot more to talk about uh, that this isn't going away. So I look forward to that. No doubt. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just uh, telling Meredith for real, another podcaster whom we made friends with. She came on here. Then we had her co-host, and then when the Grush thing came out, she's like, she had me on her show. And um, I said, you know, there, there's few things in life that I enjoy more um, than making new friends. Um, there's, they're just, you know, because I, I, I have a wife, but I don't have children, the, the blessing that, that y'all have. And so one of the, 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 the things that uh, it sort of makes me the most happy is making new friends, and I think that's what we've done you know, I was able to uh, start it off with uh, Tim, Dr. Mounts, the other night and now with you guys. So um, so thank you so much. It's an honor that you would uh, come and share your time with us and your thoughts and, and your intellect. Thank you for what you guys are doing as well in the community. You know, Tim writing books for kids is just such a noble pursuit. And uh, I we look forward to the next time. OK. All right. So for Matt, Nathan, Debs. CJ, Smitty, Dr. Mounts, this is DJ saying peace out, one love, we'll see you down the road, and as always, we're wondering what's up around the bend.